Welcome to the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. I'm your host, Jason Dubray, and today we're talking about action movies. Uh, we have touched on this in past episodes with a Schwarzenegger versus Stallone episode, and uh, of course I participated in that Action April uh, movie challenge, and we, we had a, a show with uh, a couple of... Uh, regular guests talking about that and ironically enough that one of the movies we're reviewing in this show was brought up at that time uh, but I I kind of held my comments back because I knew that this show would come up at some point <laughs> and I have a first time guest Andy Grum is with us and this is another situation where I <laughs> I asked somebody who I didn't know uh, if they'd be willing to be on the show I, I was listening to an episode of Film Feast and Andy, you were a guest on it. And Matt referred to you as the nicest guy on Twitter uh, or the nicest guy in podcasts or something like that. I said, well, I like nice people. And, you know, Matt's a pretty nice guy himself. So I thought I'd reach out to you. And worst case scenario, you'd say no. And you were willing to come on. And I think I sent you a whole ton of episodes and uh, you picked this one. So uh, welcome to the show first off. And uh, if you just want to say something, introduce yourself and talk about uh, your feelings about action movies in general. Oh, great. Well, first off, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Um, any chance I get to talk about movies is great because a lot of my friends in, in in real life, as we say when you're on Twitter all the time, they get tired of talking about action movies or just movies in general because I am incredibly positive. Like, you know, it's a, uh, but uh, I would I would rather talk about things that I like. And that's why if I don't really like something, I don't really dwell on it because life's too short and Twitter's too negative. <laughs> yeah, tw Twitter sure is. And when I, I started listening to Matt's show and like starting to follow a, a, a few of these podcasts and podcasters, I kind of realized that this is a great little sliver section of the uh, Twitterverse, which is uh, a lot more about celebrating movies and, 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 and talking about them positively. I know there's a lot there's a, also another section out there which likes to badmouth movies. And, uh, yeah, and some fan bases are <laughs> – we're talking about, about uh, a couple of franchises uh, in uh, this episode here. And there's something about fans of a franchise. Like, they, if it's something new, then uh, they really need to get used to it. And they'll, they'll kind of jump on the negative before they will the positive. I, I, I will say of the mix of six that we're looking at here, I am a bit mixed on, on some of these. So I may, it may not be all glowing reviews for me. Uh, unfortunately, I always hope for that. and it make, But it does make uh, the points and the giving up the movie a little bit tougher. So we'll see. I'll also warn uh, listeners that... This show has been, um, and, and some of the movies in it have been part of different <laughs> different versions of episodes in the past. And I had actually prepared uh, to review each of these quite a while ago. And so uh, some of them are a little bit fresher in my mind than others. So together, I think we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll go through this here. But uh, I think you watched them all fairly recently. Um, and so together, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get through this one for sure. So. Uh, as far as uh, genres that you like, is action among the top or the top? Oh, sure. Uh, lo always loved movies. Um, Star Wars is my little is my favorite franchise of all time. So when you said fans of certain franchises, I kind of cringed because I was like, I hate to. I don't claim the people that act that way as Star Wars fans myself. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, Star Wars is kind of the main thing, but I would say in terms of franchises, what I gravitate most towards to is definitely action. But um, I, 
I just love movies. So I, I try to watch all sorts of things. I've gotten a lot more into horror and slasher in the last few years because I've got a lot more friends that talk about it um, and things like that. So they op they've opened up my eyes to that. But yeah, I'd say action is my tried and true. Like if I'm just not sure what I want to watch or if I'm just doing something, I want to have something on in the uh, background, a good action movie that I've seen that I don't have to watch every single scene of, but I can turn and be like, oh, he's about to blow the guy's head off. <laughs> I just can take a beat to watch that. Oh, exactly. We go back to what you're doing. Yeah, that's good. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess my, and I think when I think I like, I'm a Star Wars kid as well, too, and I, I think I did like action, but it was a little bit more on probably the science fiction popcorn bent when I was uh, when I was younger. I don't think I watched that many like hard R. Um, action movies until kind of in my teenage years, but I, I, I kind of went through that young snobby movie geek uh, phase where I was pretty hard on action movies. And now in my forties, I actually find them sometimes a bit of a, a relief because I'm, I'm not putting the expectations. This is not Casablanca I'm looking for here. You know, I'm, I'm just wanting to be entertained, have a good time. And that's kind of what I'm looking at as my, uh, criteria for this episode is what were they setting out to do and were they successful i think i'm going to be saying some nice things about some movies which looking at the internet are not <laughs> not well liked and there may be some other ones that uh people enjoy a little bit more than i'm gonna seemingly be a harder on and so just to maybe to equal the playing field here so sure. um yeah so uh i might as well go into the, the movies we're going to review in this show we're going to take a look at the rambo franchise and rambo 3 uh, late 80s entry. We're going to take a look at a, a, a very obscure uh, movie called 222. There are actually two movies called this, and I, I haven't watched the uh, the more recent one from, I think it's 2017. But the one we're talking about is uh, 2008, I believe, and is a very, very independent movie, I would say. Would, my take is it has the lowest budget of any of the movies that we're talking about. And it's kind of like the the one mixed in here to just to make uh, make it a little bit more uh, interesting. Um, the famous Wachowski sisters uh, produced a, a movie called Ninja Assassin, and this was a first time watch for me. It's a movie I acquired in a garage sale or something like that, and so I put it in here and should be an interesting conversation on that one. Then we we'll take a look at Vantage Point, a movie that has that kind of Rashomon quality about an attempted assassination of a president in, in Spain. Uh, we're going to look at the Terminator franchise uh, with uh, Terminator Salvation. And then we're going to end off with pretty famous one from 1991, Point Break. And of course, there's a remake of Point Break, which I have not seen. I have not heard great things about, uh, but I, I just haven't seen. Yeah, thank you for being on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to say in way of introduction? Uh, nope. If, if you've heard me on, you know, either uh, Film Feast or uh, Schlock and Awe Action Addicts, you know that I... I look for things, like I said, that I like to talk about. So when we get to certain movies, there may not be as much to say. <laughs> but um, but I also realize that movies are hard to make. And the fact that any movie gets made is a wonder in and of itself. So I always give a little bit of credit to that, even if I'm watching it going, oh boy, none of these characters are likable at all. And that might come up later. <laughs> That's true. And you just have to know somebody cares about it. 
Like the worst movie that you can think of, there was somebody invested in this movie and somebody put their heart and soul. Maybe not everybody, but somebody did. And so you, you have to respect that. I, it really is a miracle every time a movie gets made and particularly a low budget movie because I, I have friends who work in that world and make the movie and then try to send it out to film festivals. And sometimes something happens and sometimes nothing happens. And so, yeah. um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I think it is actually tough to make a very effective genre film because there are so many of them. And, and when one comes along that's, that's brilliant, it's uh, you really have to hand it to everybody involved. Agreed. This mission's important, John. I want you to come with me to help me lead the team. What do you say, John? I put in my time. What's that mean? It means my war's over. He never draws first blood. He only fights back. The first time was for himself. The second time was for his country. This time, Rambo, something went wrong. It's for his friend. Trumpman was a good man, and I'm really very sorry. You're just leaving him? What do you expect us to do? Send in a Delta team? Create an international incident? What about me? By the way you look, I can see you have no experience in war, do you? Fired a few shots. That if you're captured, we'll deny any participation or even knowledge of your existence. Sounds familiar. Who is this John Rambo? You'll find out. he's your friend <laughs> but you cannot do this you both will die for what because you do it for me what do you think this man is god oh god we have mercy he wants who are you the worst nightmare stallone Rambo 3. I'm sorry I got you into this, John. Rambo 3. I've heard so many opinions on Rambo 3 from uh, 1988. So the Rambo franchise was very established at this time. I, I Personal preference, I don't know what it is about me, but I, I'm maybe a Rambo apologist for the, the whole franchise. And controversially, I actually prefer the Rambos to the Rockies. Most people that I talk to prefer Rocky movies to, to Rambo. I, I, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's the expectations thing that I talked about at the beginning that I don't expect a whole lot from a Rambo movie. Uh, I, but am I entertained? And I usually am. And Rambo 3 is, is no exception, even though <laughs> this is one of the most historically complex films that nobody in 1988 would have known what <laughs> that essentially we have uh, Rambo uh, siding with uh, with the Taliban to defeat Russians that is that is basically it so uh, Richard Crenna um, meets Rambo at the start of this film in a uh, among uh, Buddhist monks in Thailand which 
has been the source of some parody in later movies like uh, the Hot Shots movies and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, and wants him to be involved with this this mission, um, battling the, the Soviet Union. And he refuses because he's now living this peaceful life with these monks. And then, of course, uh, Richard Crenna goes in alone, gets captured. Uh, and then as soon as uh, John Rambo hears about this, then he's going to go and rescue his friend. And he immediately goes back into violence mode. And we, we watch him then uh, go to Afghanistan and train, train uh, the army up there. For this this rescue mission and that's essentially the movie there and th there are people i know that just laugh at this like they do not take it seriously at all they they, they, they it is like it is a, an entertaining joke but there is some ridiculous stuff in here we are experiencing sly probably at the height of his ego um uh, we we lost one director and i think they had four different uh, directors of photography on this movie um, for a whole variety of reasons, not just uh, Stallone coming in firing people or, or making it difficult, but there were illnesses, there were all kinds of things. And then, uh, unfortunately, for the re release of this movie, I think about three weeks before that happened, um, there there was peace uh, that, that was called. The, the, the conflict between Afghanistan and Russia ended, so the claims in here that it affected the box office in, in some way. Again, I'm not sure why it would because what we're paying for is john rambo to just go in and kill a bunch of folks on the side of america and that's what it is so i, I don't know how much i you know analysis we need to do on this one and rambo movies have been talked about a lot but what are your thoughts on uh, on this movie yes uh I'll, i have a, a very funny story about how i first saw it and i think i may have mentioned it on another podcast but for those that haven't heard um, when I was younger with my family, we were at a drive-in and we were watching Crocodile Dundee 2. And I was just like, all right, this is okay. I've seen, all right. And then I looked behind me and the screen behind was the Rambo scene where from Rambo 3, where he's doing, uh, where he's healing himself with the gunpowder and lighting it on fire. <laughs> and I just went, what the hell is this? <laughs> so as like a kid sitting in the van, I was just like, I could give two craps about Crocodile Dundee. So I just sat and watched Rambo without any um, audio for the rest of the movie. And then as soon as I could rent it, when I, well, I talked my grandmother into renting it <laughs> when I would go stay the night there, I was like, oh, that's what he was saying. But yeah, yeah. so that's kind of my funny Rambo 3 story. But um, since then, gone back numerous times and watched it. And like you, I am a Rambo film apologist or series. The last one's hard to be an apologist for, but up until then, Rambo 4 and before, I will definitely, you know, fight tooth and nail in terms of just action movies, why they matter, why they're important. Um, as you mentioned, it's Sly at the height of his ego and also at the the smallest amount of, of body fat that any human being could ever have. <laughs> yeah, he's um, ripped in this movie, yeah. He doesn't he look is, like the guy from the first movie at all who's in bad shape, so... Well, he also doesn't act like the guy from the first movie, really, because <laughs> the first movie is a, a really intimate look at, you know, like, a, you know, uh, at uh, PT, you know, PTSD and this guy who's lost everybody he knows. And now by the time you get to Rambo three, he's just like a su almost a superhuman <laughs> to where, um, you know, 
But uh, there's part of this movie though that I really like. I mean, the opening scene with him tying the uh, the bandana on incredibly tight. Even as a kid, I went, "Doesn't that hurt? Like, isn't it?" <laughs> um, and then he goes and has a crazy, uh, crazy stick fight, um, which right. has some really good sound effects to it. Like when those sticks hit, it sounds like super painful and uh, sounds like kind of a Indiana Jones, like a bat hitting leather. <laughs> yeah. um, and then he, like, like you say, he then is followed back to this Buddhist temple where he's just living a, trying to live a peaceful life, like not like using the money he made from that fight to just give to the monks and just helping them fix things, helping them fix wagons and build things. And then he gets brought back into this world of violence by Richard Crenna, who it's nice to see him get, more screen time because in the other Rambo movies, he's a very limited part, but he has the best lines in it. So to see him and Rambo work together was pretty, you know, pretty cool for this fan of the franchise up to that point. So, yeah. And I, I think he was an essential part of the early success. And by this point, they, they kind of knew that. And that's why they gave him a, a more significant role in this. And unfortunately, I, I think originally the plans for Rambo four he was going to be part of it, but he had, he had died um, before they could uh, make it. And and so it's definitely an ingredient that's missing in the later ones. Um, I, I don't know what it says about me, but I actually like the last Rambo movie too. <laughs> I don't know. It must have hit me on the right day, right time, I like I say with anything, you know. Um, sure. And I've heard some people maybe Rambo 3 doesn't hit them well, or if they're looking at it in – um, a modern context, then there, there, there might be some issues. Uh, certainly, I, I, I wouldn't say that the Rambo uh, franchise is that politically correct. Um, and there was a bit of a, these people had no idea how to organize and fight until, until John Rambo came into their lives. And um, we, we, of course, we have this cute kid who's this sidekick and wants to go and fight and be involved too. And and looks up to Rambo and yeah, I'm glad you uh, mentioned that opening. I think that was a, again, some things could be criticized about that opening, but I, I, I liked it, like the stick fight and everything that that's a great way to kind of set the table for this movie. There are a lot of slow motion shots of uh, Stallone running away from explosions. Um, so I, I think, and that might've been part of the issue of all the all the different DPs and the, the two directors. He wanted stuff that would make him real, look really tough and cool. And it does, but it's I think it's a little bit of over overkill with some of those those beats and some of those moments. And I think, you know, it's a it's a predictable enough movie. You, 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 you know, there's at no point do I feel danger for John Rambo in, in, in this movie at all. No, he's he's a one one man army and uh, but then <laughs> he inspires the it inspires the, the other army to, to come in and help out towards the end there. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I don't know. You, you could, you could probably come up with some, some jokes after that about what, what unfortunately that led into as far as uh, world politics, but all that to say, I, I like it a lot. It's, it's, it's getting quite a few points for me lined up against the other five movies. And I think it's uh I think it's a solid movie, but I, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. So that's <laughs> it, it's I kind of find that with a lot of those movies from this time frame. But as you did mention, it's of a certain time. And I hate to use that phrase because we, you know, we use it when we talk about certain people when they're like, they're of a certain time and nothing ever positive follows it. They don't go, you know, because they were, you know, 
ahead of their time. They were forward thinking. It was always kind of like, oh, they did do that and say that and acted that way. So unfortunately, like we've done with a lot of things, the action genre is kind of filled with those macho, um, you know, toxic masculinity type things that we now can look back on and go, oh, okay, we've grown from that. So that's good. But we can also say that they, it, this movie was not made to set out to to be a, anything but just a crazy over-the-top action movie. So you can't read too much deep into it. They weren't trying to tell a huge political message like you had mentioned earlier. The fact that what happened years later is just the, the craziest of circumstances ever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and it's just, yeah. And these movies we've, I think we've, we've lived with them so long. There's there, there, it is hard to talk about them just cause it's like, yeah, I've, I've seen it umpteen million times. I have friends who've seen it. We've watched it together and it's just one of those movies you can put on and it's not very long. So there's not a lot to it. It's quite simple. It's a rescue mission. Rambo kills a lot of people and he helps save an entire nation. <laughs> or <laughs> and, and this was an attempt to be topical. And I think there, Throughout the franchise, there have been attempts to be topical. Uh, but the, prob the problem is, in, th in this particular instance, it, you know, uh, there, I mean, there's some lines where you kind of like go, mm, it's like, uh, I think Richard Trent has this in this monologue. It's the one who says, no one's ever heard of Afghanistan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably in the late 80s, yeah, that was the case, but now not not so much. And then what's, uh, and there's this other one, I think Richard is this another Richard Crenna line about it's either him or, or Rambo says we've already had our Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. It's just like sitting there just reading. Oh man. It's just, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, I don't know. It's like some, somebody from uh, with a time machine decided to go and just mess with this production and this script just because they would, you know, it would be awkward for to watch it forever. But yep, yeah. And there we go. Yeah. About 25 years later, people will be talking about this on, podcast with future knowledge and they'll just be shaking their head at every decision we made in terms of being topical shirtless rambo and the rebels on horses uh defeat the russian army well first first they actually play that like sporting game remember with that little yeah and i was like and i was okay this this is an attempt to show that rambo can just fit in anywhere because you know they always talk about it it's just but he he also has to win <laughs> but yeah i think thumbs up and i mean if you you will know uh this is not Everybody knows this franchise. You will know if this is for you or not. So if you're getting into a Rambo movie, expect a Rambo movie. And this one delivers. It's not the best in the franchise, but uh, I, I don't think it's as bad as some people have made it out to be. I, I have heard some r real haters when it comes to this film, and I, I, I think it's fun. I have a good time with it, despite everything. So Exactly. Turn your mind off and just be be entertained by crazy action. And yep, that's all you can really ask for. It's a good time. Hi, James Cutler 301. I'd like to put something in your safety deposit box. It's gonna be fast, easy, in and out. Either way, it's a good score, guys. What went down tonight wasn't your fault. Multiple shooters, maybe three. It's a bloody mess. Let's get them tied up, let's get them down here. I'm gonna tell you a secret. Since you got the bang. It's time. Bang, bang. Two less low lights. Get the gear. We leave now. A lot of heat's gonna come down, Billy. We will dismember these people.
really hate to pick on a movie which is low budget. And in this group, it's it's up against multi-million dollar Hollywood productions. So I, I admire the fact that we have an independent action movie. It's called 222. And actually, again, it, it, has a few really good actors in it in supporting roles, but I think it was the stars who are also the producers, the writers, directors, and this was trying to get their, their, their movie together. And it's about this heist on New Year's Eve in a prominent uh, uh, and expensive New York hotel. This movie is quite clearly shot in Toronto. I, I, I've lived in New York, but I'm I'm a Canadian and I can spot Toronto and I can spot New York and they're, they're trying their best to make it look like it's New York, but the fanciest hotels in New York don't, don't look like they're on that street where, where, where this is set here. So again, if I'm going to, you know, cross my arms and be super critical of it, I guess that's, that's where I would start, but it, it it's mixed. This is not, this is not a good movie. But I've seen a lot worse, and that's I, that's not ring, a ringing endorsement of 222. I would say, like a lot of independent movies, the acting is a little bit all over the place. But I'm starting off with some some positives here. I, I kind of like the lead actor, Mark Rosie, uh, and and he also wrote wrote the screenplay. There's a couple moments where I felt like he was doing almost like a Christopher Walken type of line delivery in places. But despite that, he 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 kind of anchors and energizes the film. Uh, well enough. Val Kilmer's <laughs> Val Kilmer has this weird role as kind of the, um, connected to this crime syndicate, but he's got he's he's leading this other front, and I, he he makes a meal out of the scenes that he's in. But he he knows how to act, and it's nice to see him in there, and particularly with everything that we know that's uh, that's happened to him. It's it's good to see in this and apparently he took a pay cut to be in this because he was uh, friends with somebody who was involved with the production. So that says a lot about him that he's willing to lend his name to to this film. There are some other some other acting which is is rough. It it is over the top. It is all kind of macho, violent, or whatever, trying to make up for having different different layers uh, to it. But when partway through the film, Gabriel Byrne shows up, and again, he doesn't have a ton of scenes, but I was just like, thank God for Gabriel Byrne. What he's always great. I mean, even if he's in a not great screenplay, and unfortunately, I'd consider this one a not great screenplay. I enjoy his presence and so that those are the things that I, I could sort of uh, hang on to. I have a, a long list of weaknesses here but maybe I won't go in that direction but there's kind of this movie within a movie and and like the, the acting it, like they were kind of it's one of these scripts where they probably could have taken half the F words out and I'm not going to be you know I'm not somebody who's going to be complaining about forced language in movies but I just feel like either they were improvising with the actors and then the actors were just throwing the f word in there there was uh the, the one uh the one woman I think at uh, Jody uh played by Syl Birmingham she like I think every second word is that and and she was just so so over the top and I don't know exactly what they were doing with that other than like she's kind of in kind of this angry person I, I'm not sure the heist idea works or it's all that well thought out. But, you know, you've seen these types of movies before where they have a plan, they think it's a pretty good plan, and everything goes wrong. There's situations with different guests uh, because they're trying to pretend like they're, you know, they're running the hotel on New Year's Eve. Um, and, you know, they have to keep up with the uh, the room service orders. And there's, like, strange sex scenes happening in some of the rooms and different medical emergencies happen and... Uh, 
So it, it becomes a mess and we realize that these are not, that they aren't great criminals, but they're, they're supposed to sort of be professional. So I was a little bit confused on if this is like a, a Coen Brothers people who are in over their heads type of an idea. That's what they were going for. But this isn't a terribly funny movie, but it also doesn't, you know, uh, they, they aren't, aren't professional thieves and they should have thought of a lot of these things along the way so anyway i'm kind of rambling on about this i don't quite know how to de describe this film other than it's it's an attempt i admire the attempt but it ultimately just does not work for me as a film so unfortunately my thumb is down but i don't want to kind of kick a kick an injured horse here uh because <laughs> there it's it's not all bad there are some good things and i mean if you Stick around for the Gabriel Byrne scenes. They're uh, they're well worth the relatively low price of admission that I had for this one. I think I picked this movie up in a grab sale or something or somewhere along the way. So I, I would, but I was kind of excited. To, you know, I started off being like, okay, is this gonna be one of these lesser known action movies that I can promote on the show and get more people watching? Unfortunately, I'm, I'm not sure I would recommend it to just anybody unless you're you're really excited to you're a Val Kilmer completist or or something like that. What were your yes. thoughts? 222. Yeah, I um I was able to watch this on Tubi. So like like you said, a relatively uh free uh point of access. So that, that 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 definitely helps. Um unfortunately, like you said, there's not it didn't really stand out to me in terms of I was irritated by the characters kind of from the get-go. Like the main guy, like you mentioned, his name was uh, uh Mick Rossi. He, he was decent in that. He, he has one of those faces where I swear I've seen him in like other stuff, but he just, you know, he's just got one of those, one of those faces. And I'd say he was at least credible in his line delivery. Like it, it came off genuine. Um, we had talked briefly before recording that the fact that any movie gets made is a wonder at times. And so, and there's some, and people put their heart and soul into this. So I'm not going to sit here and just, like you said, kick a, a horse while it's down or anything like that, or kick a person while they're down. But, um, but man, when you make a heist movie and when you make a movie in general, you do have to have likable characters. And unfortunately yeah. the main group, when they're together, I'm like, these guys are a bunch of jerks that I don't care if they die or not. And when they, and you know, spoilers, when some of them do, I'm like, good. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, I feel nothing. I feel nothing for them. Yes. I'm happier that they're gone because we're going to be reaching the end of the movie sooner. So. <laughs> but then um, you get these weird moments, like you mentioned, where Val Kilmer comes in and it basically, you can tell he was just like, sure, I'll just do this. And, you know, maybe his payment was partially in licorice. So, <laughs> um, but he's like a, what, he's like a jewel, uh, jeweler or yeah, something like that. Like, um, and it's then a, it's a strange performance. And I, I almost wonder if they let him just do whatever he wanted and he feels like he's Probably. improvising. Oh um, yeah. And I, I'm not sure if they're like trying to suggest that his character is neurologically diverse or, or, or something because just his reactions and how he talks to the others and doesn't make eye contact. And he kind of goes kind of in his own monologues, you know, and he's kind of appears to be in his own world, but he's obviously brilliant at what he does. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's not badly acted. I mean, he he's just because he is who he is. He's a fascinating screen presence. He, I mean, he's not as good as Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne's playing a character with uh, several different dimensions here. But right. you know, you wish they they never never could have afforded to have these guys being kind of the the main group for the heist because it would have been a completely different movie. I think you know, even if the writing wasn't there, it would be 
more interesting. I, I was just looking up that Mick Rossi. Like he was a little bit more of a uh, the world of music. Um, he was, you know, a musician and producer from Manchester, England, and then he moved. Uh, he uh, he formed a, a, a British punk rock band, um, Slaughter, Slaughter and the Dogs. So that that's his background. And but he, I mean, he is he is good on camera, and he mm-hmm. he sells it. I mean, he's not he's not a great guy either, but at least. Because he's a, a comp, was a competent enough actor, then you could kind of maybe rest with him a little bit. You're right. When when it's a heist movie, an oceans type of a film, yep. you know that. I mean, they try almost too hard in the oceans movies to make everybody kind of quirky and likable. You, you need to have somebody who's a little bit dangerous in, in there. But if they're all just miserable people, there isn't anybody to root for. I'm not rooting for anybody in the subplot. Agreed. There, right. Yeah. There was, there, there was one character in the group and I was, when you first meet him, he like off camera hits his dog and like somebody comments on it and he goes, what? It's my dog. I can do what I want. And I immediately was kind of turned off and I was like, all right. Uh, all right. I, I, I hope you're the first to go. <laughs> I'm not sure why they do that. Like, I mean, I get that if, if he's going to be the, the heavy or he's going to be the lack of a bear from the Joe Pesci in the group or something like that, mm-hmm. that you know, he, he can't be controlled. And that's what we're trying to do here. But but then you have to have somebody else to balance that out. And that's true. And they, and they, and they really really don't and the hotel guests are awful too i mean i'm annoying like any guests where they come in there if if i was one of them if i was in there i'd have been like just take kill that person I, I won't say a word i don't care you guys can have all the money you want i don't care take this take that i'd take my own rings off and just be like here take it leave me alone just take them away and the because the, the sooner you guys leave the sooner this whole ordeal is over <laughs> you guys leave the sooner i can audition for another project <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, the, the, the script wasn't, I mean, it wasn't terrible. I I could see like, like you said, if you have the right actors and actresses in it, there's definitely potential for, um, something, but it just, yeah, it just kind of fell kind of flat in the direction. It almost looked like I was watching somebody recording a version of this on a screen on their camera and they pushed in too close. (laughs) And it seemed like everything was so close where I was like, Oh, I wait. Okay. I'm like, but again, the budget they were working with was very minuscule. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to, you know, a lot of craft goes into even a small budget movie, figuring out how to place cameras and get the most out of it. And maybe they had to do it because right up, right to the left of that person was something that they couldn't film. So I'm trying to keep my mind centered on the fact that what we see is what they probably had to deal with. And it just unfortunately wasn't visually in, uh, interesting. And I've seen low budget where they can make it visually interesting. I mean, Evil Dead, that's incredibly interesting. And that's probably cost less to make than this. Yes, I, I <laughs> um, think it did, yeah. So I think it just all comes down to the filmmaker, what the uh, director, I kind of looked him up to, and he hasn't done a whole lot of any note. So it's just, yeah, this is one of those, uh, it's an interesting exercise to watch in terms of indie filmmaking. And the fact that they were able to get Kilmer and Byrne to even come in was pretty impressive to me. I was like, all right, good. Hang your your head on that. Not not your movie. (laughs) You should be like... But Canada for a day or two and we'll see yeah, what we can. And I feel like, yeah, the, you touched on a little bit of the photography. So I feel like this is the tail end. There's that kind of 10 year period, maybe a bit more where they were using the digital camera and everything mm-hmm. looked like it was a home movie thing. And I, I feel like this is when we were kind of coming out of it, but this is what independent filmmakers would use to save money. And I, I got sure. that sense with this a bit that that's what they were trying to do, but it just, I, I don't think it would have looked good then when it came out and 
certainly doesn't doesn't look great now. Agreed. I hate to you're a positive guy, and I try to be positive. So I, you know, but we, we just have we have to be honest too. I, I can't really recommend this movie. Uh, in this, this fortunately, in this group of six, there are there's something for everybody. And I, I, I still, with every movie I review, almost every movie I review, I'll, I'll, I'll say that, I would encourage people to look for it, check it out, form your own opinion. You might disagree with us. Sure. If so, um, that would be great. I mean, on, on my cover here, it looks like the Santa Fe New Mexican uh, critic liked it and said, Vel Kilmer scores full of gritty performances. That's their uh, that's their tagline for their advertising. Vel Kilmer is not in a lot of the movies. So. No, but hey, you got to use what you you got to use what you get. They they put together a couple of nice lines from that review, and it's on the cover of the of the DVD I have there. So do with that what you will. Good enough on that um, two twenty two. Yes, sir. Abandoned by your parents. Without a home, without people to care for you, you should have died. But instead, you fought. Your entire life has brought you to this moment. Do not fail yourself. Do not fail your family. Now the time has come for you to prove. We're going to 2009's Ninja Assassin, and essentially it's about uh, this young man. He's raised to be a ninja. He's trained to be part of the super uh, elite team of ninjas, and he decides to turn his back on the orphanage that raised him um, shortly after uh, this incident happens with his best friend. And then he kind of goes into hiding, and, and then finds that he's going to have to battle uh, his his former group, and he gets uh, connected with um, an uh, Interpol agent uh, played by the, the wonderful actor Naomi Harris. She, she's been a lot of stuff. Certainly her, I always think that she got an Academy Award nomination for, for Moonlight a few years ago. I, I think she's still kind of an underrated actor, and, and she's very good in this film. The, the, the lead actor is Rain, who, as I understand it, I'm, I'm not... I'm not as hip with Korean um, boy bands as maybe I should be, but I guess he he was part of a Korean boy band 
went into this project with no uh, martial arts experience and got worked hard and got trained up for this film. And I think on the whole, it, it looks good. I didn't know that when I was watching it. This was a surprise for me how much I enjoyed this. And maybe it was, again, the I, I forget. I, I have this feeling like at the time I was watching a bunch of heavier, kind of darker movies, perhaps for another podcast or for my own. And this was a little bit of a, a break. I could put my brain on hold for the most part, watch the visuals, which are mostly good. Um, my biggest criticism of it is, are the digital effects, which I don't think were always necessary. And particularly uh, at the, the climax of the movie relies heavily um, on that. And also another actor I wanted to, to highlight, the father figure character. I, 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 I've seen that actor in a bunch of stuff. I was Shokushugi? Yeah. Okay. No, thank you. Thank you for, yeah. Yep. I, I like that performance and plays a, you know, a strong villain and is, if it's a video game, this is like the, the ultimate boss that he's going to have to battle towards the end. I suppose it kind of works like a video game in that way. There's all these different battles and has to knock off all of these, all these ninjas. And I, I think it works. I mean, is it realistic? Probably not, but I'm not sure we would put the realism card on any of these movies. I had a good time with it. Uh, it wasn't one, I, I'd heard the title as one of those movies that came and went in the, the late aughts there. And I didn't know a lot about it. I think they, at the time they were really advertising from the creators of The Matrix. And I think that, that Rain was in Speed Racer and the Wachowskis were so impressed, they decided to kind of get this project together just to feature Rain. And Rain does a solid job. I mean, I, I'm not sure what else as far as acting Rain has done, but, but it, you know, served the role and, and yeah, I'm not seeing only kind of four credits that I'm seeing here and two of them were with uh, the Wachowskis. So yeah, so I like it. My thumb is, uh, is firmly up. Uh, you know, it's it's not as good as like a Shaw Brothers type of uh, experience. This is a little bit more Hollywoodized and digitized, but I still think it's a good time. So what are, what are your thoughts on Ninja Assassin? Oh, I, I've got a lot of thoughts on Ninja Assassin because uh, growing up, I was a huge Ninja fan. So like American Ninja, um, all those movies, uh, when I, when I heard that this was being made and following it, and when they announced that show Koshugi was going to be in it as a fan of his from the eighties watching, you know, enter the, the ninja pray for death, all sorts of stuff. I was like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. This guy who I followed back then is going to be in this. And then you find out he's going to be like a bad guy. And you're like, Oh, the Wachowskis know what they're doing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, and your comment about, uh, realism is right on the nose. We don't, I don't want realism with ninjas. I want them to pop out of shadows. I want them to, <laughs> to not be there one minute and then they're there the next. So that to me just sealed the deal. I was, oh, this is exactly what I want from a, a ninja movie. Plus it had been years since we had a movie that was solely about ninjas and things like that. So yeah, the, the over-reliance on CGI hampers it a little bit. Um, as a, as a film fan, I, I, I do love a really good squib and it's really cool. You can tell there's a difference between a squib, a liquid squib and a CGI squib. And this one really shows you that difference because it's, it's all CGI squibs. Um, and it's over the top bloody and violent. Um, and rain, I, I think the cast in general is good. Like, like, like you said, rain, uh, definitely put in the work and they, uh, I think the way that they have him fight works well with his dancing background. Um, it really accentuates the stuff that he would do well with in terms of um, 
uh, flexibility and things like that. And then you just, you give, you, I like each kind of person has their own specific weapon that they're really good at. Like he's good at every, at most of the stuff, but he's really good at that kind of chain whip thing. And he, that's his yes. kind of, that's his like calling card. And he like saves that for when he really needs it type thing. So, um, and it's just cool that they tried to give this whole history of the ninja clan that dates back thousands of years. And you know, that sand that's delivered that you see that and you're like, Oh, stuff's about to go down. And just, there's a lot of backstory that doesn't have to be filled in that you start as the viewer start to fill in and go, okay, I kind of, this, this world builds upon itself. And I, I think it's cool. I want to be, I want to see more movies from that world from different ninja point of views and different clans and stuff. So. And then that, that weapon, because it's so unique. Uh, and I think it's called like, who's our gamma? Who's our gamma? I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Yeah. That, that, that's, it, it, it just becomes an extension of this character and makes this character a little bit more unique, you know, mm-hmm. and you think, I mean, there've been a million ninja movies as, 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 as you said, not as many at that time. And maybe it was kind of trying to get uh, a new audience looking back at those films, um, especially the kind of great ones, the seventies and eighties. Uh, and, uh, but keeping it at the time, so much was digitized. I think that the idea of not the, not the squib, um, works well in something like uh, one of those uh, like uh, Sin City types of where everything is done like the graphic novel uh, idea, but because on on the whole this is this is set as a live action film with and it isn't all effects. When we get into those CGI moments, it just feels like they jumped into a bit of a cartoon. And I think I, I'm not sure at the time. I remember not noticing it when this this wave happened. I was like, oh, wow, that looks kind of cool. Uh, not knowing how badly these effects would age, you know, um, when, when we look at this. And, I mean, this, relatively speaking, this wasn't, it's not that old a movie. But, yeah, those, those scenes and, like, the, and the fire and all of those pieces, too, I, I really, I'm kind of getting sick of it. Now the thing is, currently, is we, we can't have any actual animals in movies. They all have to be digital animals, and I can always tell, and it takes me out of the movie, unfortunately. But it, but it is, uh, it's kind of a minor, minor point. And I, I, I kind of like the the melding of the of the ninja stuff with uh, the contemporary world of Interpol and the crime organization, and you know, and trying to catch them, and and and, and how that works. I think it it threw in a lot of stuff that was kind of in several movies during that decade. I think for a little while, the idea of, you know, martial arts movies came back because of Tarantino and Kill Bill. And I think kind of before that, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because it was, it it became so big with John Woo films. And when John Woo moved to America in the 90s, um, and that was kind of for people my age to go back and look at these films. But for those who are um, a bit younger than I am, uh, I, I'm not sure this movie did as well as that, um, unfortunately. And if I had, I kind of wish I had gone to see, I think it would have been great in theaters. Uh, I, did you see it in theaters? Yes, I did. I was there opening night. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you were looking forward to a ninja movie. I, I think it would have been way, way better. And it was still fine watching it on my TV here, but sure. not the same thing. Because this is a big screen movie. And mm-hmm. there's so much going on. So I think uh, 
you know, if there ever was sort of a, an underrated film festival or something like that, or, you know, have a, a film festival of uh, martial arts or ninja movies, this would be a great addition because it is so cinematic, you know? I think so too. Yep. Um, and you can tell that no matter what the size of your TV is that, or how you're watching it, that, yeah, this is a movie that belongs in theaters. Yes. This plays better on the biggest screen possible with surrounded by people who are cheering and, you know, stuff like that. So yes, that would be the case. And I also like, it's, it's a very diverse cast, like, and it's, and it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't scream at you that they're being different. It's just, that's the cast. That's who they cast. They cast excellent actors and actresses to play the parts. And um, that this is also at the time kind of with like um, uh, Jason Statham's uh, uh, transporter series. It, it, it was nice to not have the, the, you, the U.S. be like the focal point of where the movie's happening. So it feels somewhat different. It feels, you know, you know, for somebody who, wants to travel to some of these places it's like, oh cool we're filming over there it's not just localized here it just it kind of has a more international feel to it which adds to the whole you know ninja aspect of it and it's this global kind of thing so um that that also stood out to me too when you watch it you're just like oh this is this is cool like we we don't praise movies enough when they're being diverse for the right reasons and not because they're they're told they have to be or they feel they have to be this is just we cast the right people for the right job and it just looks cool it's it's a visually entertaining movie there's some cool scenes like the the ninja fight and the the with the cars going by and the That's like right. you know shuriken getting thrown into the car hoods i was like you know one of my friends was like that could never happen. And I was like, exactly. That's why I want to see it. I don't want stuff that can happen in these movies. <laughs> it's not a realistic movie. Just sit back and enjoy, you know, that's, that's exactly the thing, you know, which I, you know, I have to confess, I went through a phase where I was probably like that. I was like, that's not real. That's not, that's a flaw. That's whatever. Well, no, you're just trying to collect a, a bunch of negative things so that you're, you know, trying to make yourself a little bit more. I don't know that you have, I, I, I don't know that you're more of a, informed movie analyst or something but really like what is the purpose of this movie uh, and and a lot of that interpol stuff reminded me of kind of like luc besson films as well luc besson you know where where's great action but there's also um it it, it doesn't have that uh, amer the the american stuff that you were just talking about yeah i, I think because i think the director might be is he like a luc besson kind of no it's james mcteague but because I know there was that kind of wave that all came after him that, you know, he kind of... Um, he started producing a bunch of movies for uh, mm-hmm. kind of people he saw as his uh, successors in the action. Exactly. Action genre. So, I mean, this is... I, I mentioned with 222, I was looking for a movie to, that not a lot of people have seen to promote. I was hoping it would be that one. But Ninja Assassin, I think, is one that not a lot of people talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And I think more people should check out. And if you're an action fan, I think you're going to enjoy it quite a bit. It, it surprised me. It's it's going to do well with me as far as the points at the end of the show here because I, mm-hmm. I had such a good time with it. And I'm glad that that you enjoyed it too. And I think you were you had a bit more of the history and he, like an even bigger fan of 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 this uh, this genre and this subgenre. So that uh, that helped a lot. Yes, yes, it most really did. It's one of the, when I saw your uh, list, I was like, ooh, Ninja Assassin, great, like. It's one of those where it's great to have action movies, but I also love martial arts, and that's a, a huge thing that I watch too. So it's like, oh, we'll just combine all my likes in one movie. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's what I like to hear from guests. I don't, I don't, I don't like to hear, oh, I, I, 
man, you put me through such a struggle to get. I had to watch that one. <laughs> That's why I like to sit. I have a million shows, and I like to send out some options to people. So I'm, I'm sure. happy that, that you love this movie, and uh, I, I love it too. It was a, a a great discovery for me. Here we go in five, four, three, two. Here in Salamanca, Spain, President Ashton has been working with leaders from five continents to forge a new groundbreaking alliance. Today, we make history. We need your camera. We saw the shooter. There was something in that window. I saw something too. We have to respond. You can't give the order. You've been shot. We risk telling the world that you weren't really there. We weren't there. We need you to tell us what's going on. I think I just told a guy who did it. We're shot in the city, Dad. The NSA has just confirmed the threat. We know who's behind this. Don't release him! He knows something! For the moment, the Americans think they've dodged a bullet. Secret Service, we need to see your tapes. I'm in pursuit, heading west. We have a satellite lock. We're looking for five people out of six million. Surprised to see me alive? Stop. Rewind that. Oh my god. What did he see? What have you done? What have you done? The beauty of American arrogance is that they cannot imagine a world where they're not to step ahead. There's something else going on here. Control is compromised. Get off! My partner is in pursuit of a suspect. This can't be happening. There's no 20 on the president. Where is it? If I was to tell you that I could put together a movie that has Dennis Quaid, Forrest Whitaker, Sigourney Weaver, uh, Zoe Zaldana, William Hurt, James LeGros, I feel like I'm leaving somebody out, but, uh, well, and uh, and Matthew Fox. He's kind of, uh, right now there's a missing persons alert for him, I guess, since uh, Lost. I, I haven't seen him in much lately. I don't know if you have, but, um, no, but he, no, was, no. he was big at the time this movie came out. And you're doing this movie called Vantage Point which is about an uh, attempted assassination of uh, the president of the United States in Spain and does this thing, which I'm a bit of a sucker for, which is we, we see what happens from one point of view and then we see it from another character's point of view and another character's and we're trying to figure out what truly happened. When I've written things this over the years, high school, college classes, put on plays, their local fringe festival, different things like that. I, I've attempted to do this this kind of thing. What surprises me about this movie is 
how uninteresting I found it and how flat Vantage Point is because it feels like it has all of the elements that should be successful. This should be a, a, a big hit and it just simply doesn't work for me. And I, I, I'm still trying to figure out why it doesn't work because we were talking about 222 and if they were able to have maybe a better cast, then he could have salvaged it a bit. This is not the worst screenplay I've, I've, I've ever encountered. I feel like it's it's okay. I, it's competently directed. I think the action scenes are okay. Uh, I'm not sure that I really am a fan of the transitions where they do that rewind thing between segments. I think they could just kind of stop and then go back and let the audience figure out, oh, we're going, we're, we're back to this place in the story. There would be enough hints that, you know, now I think uh, filmmakers are trusting their audiences to be a bit more intelligent than back then. It wasn't, again, this is around the same era of a lot of the movies we're talking about. This is 2008 it came out. But this is one that was kind of dumped at the beginning of the year. Sometimes that's where they put the studio movies they don't believe in. And maybe they thought it was going to be kind of a late in the year type of uh, success story. So it's a, it's a short movie. I don't think it, I mean, it felt to me longer than it, that's actual 90 minute running time. But yeah, I, this is, this is one where I, I can pinpoint with some other movies why it doesn't work. I'm still trying to figure this one out. I can, I can say for sure that I think some of the cast members are completely wasted. My, my, the biggest sin to me is you have Sigourney Weaver in your movie. And I know this character was originally written as male. And then uh, they came in and they said, well, we need a strong female character so change it to a female but she's not given a whole lot to do and i just i mean if i if i have sigourney weaver in my movie i mean the 222 guys at least let val kilmer and gabriel byrne kind of have have their moments and really kind of enjoy what they're doing i don't think weaver's given that chance in here i don't know if there's a lot on the cutting room floor with her that would have been made, made that better but william hurt is is the president and is a couple scenes there, but I, it seems like kind of a flat performance from him too. Probably the the best is is Forrest Whitaker. I mean, the movie really relies on on Matthew Fox. Mm -hmm. I think uh, celebrities is maybe perhaps the weakest actor, but I mean that's that's not with that that cast. That's not a, a criticism. It's just that cast is great. But Forrest Whitaker is to me kind of the star of the film. He's the best part if you're going to watch this movie somehow the tricks of the multiple multiple perspectives I, I i'm not a fan of the climax i'm not a fan of the very predictable plot, plot twist so it unfortunately my thumb is down here and this one i'm gonna make maybe in some ways i should be harder on it than i am 222 because they they had the talent and they had the budget and then more working for, for them than, than 222 did but you know it kind of ends up in the same place with my thumb being down on it so what are your thoughts on vantage point yeah, my thumb's kind of my thumb's in the middle. Um, it was one of those where, when you had mentioned it, I was like, "Oh, I've I've never seen that before." So it just never really came on my radar, and that's possibly when it was out. You know, like you said, two thousand eight. So same year, Ninja Assassin was out. So there's all these other bigger type action movies I was looking forward to, um, and you know, as much as I like them, you know, Dennis Quaid doesn't really jump out as action star or this or that. <laughs> now, had it been Kurt, uh, Kurt. Kurt Russell, I probably would have been, I'd have been all over it. Um, but, uh, mm -hmm. but it just, yeah, there's something about it where I like the premise of trying to find the correct vantage point of what happened, you know, mm -hmm. type thing. Um, but, but you're right. Sometimes it, it, when it, when it does the whole rewind thing, 
it loses me a little bit. Um, but and also, like like you said, like when you get a performance as good as Forrest Whitaker, and you're like, oh, I want to stick with him, and then they quickly, you know, boom, explosion, rewind. You're like, oh, just yeah. as he oh, was no. okay, I'd rather stay with him. Okay, and now we're gonna go to this. Okay. It's not here. It's not, and there's no real like bad performance. But you're right. There are some flat ones where it's just like like Sigourney Weaver. She's she's great, but you you cast her and you stick her behind a desk and you don't let and she's watching a monitor the whole time. Like yeah. that's like she's anybody could. Yeah, that that's something you get for somebody. You know, but that's not what you cast Sigourney Weaver for. She should be out in the field doing something too. Like like honestly, there she she could have been the main character and we could have been following her around. But Matthew. I know it'd be different, but it put Matt, Matthew Fox in that role. He could be the guy directing, yeah. you know, the media stuff or directing that whole thing. But it gives Sigourney Weaver some action. She is the like the queen of action movies and science fiction right. movies. I mean, mm-hmm. This Ripley that you have in your movie, give her something to do. Right. You know, plus, she's one of one of our one of our great, but yet still somehow underrated actors. When like best of lists come out, she's not. Yeah, she's not on like best of lists or things like that. But she should be. I agree. Well, yeah, so it's just a bit of a bit of a mystery to me. I, again, this was this was a movie that was playing very much on uh, the war on terror and the, mm-hmm. the fear of terror, and you know they were they were trying to do a few things, kind of I guess, with the Secret Service and parallels to to Kennedy and, and and different things like that, which you know movies like In the Line of Fire did a much better job of. So mm-hmm. I guess what I'm left with is we have this amazing cast that just feels like I, but I. I it, can, can, can I say it was badly directed? I, I'm not sure that I can, unless um, the director couldn't get the right take from these great actors, and I don't understand how that would happen. Um, right. I don't know if there was studio interference. You know, it, it just, it just, it, it's a mystery to me because the pieces are there, and it should have worked. And I guess that's where that, that's where I am. I'm probably. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm going to be walking away having any more answers uh, from our conversation. Right. This, but just you know, I, I I've liked and even some like less than I mean not not unsuccessful, but kind of forgotten movies with these all star casts. With you know the the movie that Emilio Estevez directed, wrote and directed Bobby from a, many many years ago had this all star cast and had these multi story Robert Altman type of uh, perspectives and. I enjoy that. Other people, you know, it sort of came and went. I'm not sure many people have, have talked about that movie for years. So this this feels like something that should have worked for me, and it just it just doesn't. So yeah, it's one of those where you, where when I I turned it on, I was like, oh yeah, Dennis Quaid, and then you're like, oh Matthew Fox, and then as things start to go on, and it's that kind of tried and true. Like if this were to be ma- be made now, basically Gerard. Butler would be the main actor. Like it, it's, it's kind of a, it's almost like a, one of his fallen type movies. Cause he's that, you know, that uh, ultimate like bodyguard that has failed before. And now he's coming back and it's like, this is his, you know, return. And like, people don't think he, he can do it, but the president knows that he can. And it's one of those, you know, uh, things. But then as each scene opens, I was like, Oh, she's in that. Oh, he's in that. Oh, this. And, and, and you're right. Some of the like supporting actors are turning in a better performance than like than some of the name actors that we've we've seen. And I was like, so maybe that's why I was a little more lenient on this one, or or maybe not lenient, but middle of the road, as opposed to like you know two twenty two, where I was watching this and I was like, okay, you you know you have a limited budget, you know you have limited this and that, yet you still wrote these characters and directed them in this way. 
um, like anybody could see that and go, oh, these aren't likable people. Whereas at least this movie has likable characters throughout yeah. and like the the excellent performances downplace or out outweigh some of the middle of the road or just the kind of, not to say that they sleepwalk because I wasn't there, but some of them, like you said, do feel very flat or just like there's, there has to be a better take on the floor somewhere on the cutting room floor that just maybe something else didn't quite work right. But it just seems like a wasted opportunity that this seems like a movie with that cast. We should, that should be talked about. People should be bringing it up once, you know, once every year when they rewatch it, like on Twitter, you see people go through, like I've done it and where you, you rewatch something and you put it out and, People go, oh yeah, maybe I should watch that. And it's funny that this isn't one of them when based on the cast alone, it could have been. No, no, it feels like it should be. You mentioned like some of the the less well-known supporting actors. Who's somebody that you uh, thought gave a good performance? Um, oh, his name is, looking at uh, the cast, um, uh, Edgar uh, Ramirez, who played Javier. Um Number one, that guy's got just a, a very interesting face. And whenever I see him, he's one of those actors that kind of stands out. Um, and, um, and, and it's also when you look back at his stuff, you're like, oh, he was in a ton of things. I know he was in um, uh, Domino, which is where I remember mostly from. And uh, um, the Bourne movies, because he played one. Of, I think he was in the Bourne um, Ultimatum. He was kind of the, the main uh, assassin tracking Matt. Uh, Matt Damon and things like that down. So, you know, so those, the, that he kind of stood out for me. Um, Ironically, and, he was the remake of Point Break as well, I think. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just say those, yeah, it's kind of, and then um, the other one that kind of stood out was um, uh, Eduardo Noriega, if I'm pronouncing that per- correctly, yeah, which I'm probably yeah. not. Um, so yeah, I think it's funny that the the lesser known actors, the ones that you know, and probably just because they're used to tr- to turning up on set, and you have to get your stuff right because you're not, you know, you're not the focal point of attention, and you don't want to be the reason that they have to re- redo a scene or something. So some of those actors and actresses just seem to bring it every single time that they're on camera. Those are two that kind of stood out to me. They're also seeing this as a big break, I think, for their careers, and they're acting with William Hurt and Sigourney Weaver and these legends, and so I, I need to bring my A game, and maybe they're bringing their A game when the others are bringing maybe their <laughs> uh, C game, uh, unfortunately. But Forrest Whitaker, to his credit, I think he's he, he brought his A game, and that's a guy, he, he's gone a lot, he's an Academy Award winner, he's gone a lot of acknowledgement, but I, I see him, and sometimes he's, he's given two-dimensional roles, I mean, uh, it, it was a little while ago, I, um, on another podcast, I reviewed Consenting Adults, hmm. a lot of people forget he's in the movie, and hmm. it's you know, the role is very, very kind of secondary, but he's so fascinating in all of the scenes, and he, he just always seems to bring it no matter what, and so... Um, I appreciate that. And yeah, I, I didn't mention Dennis Quaid at the beginning. I think he's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But there are times when Dennis Quaid is, is really good. And there's sometimes where Dennis Quaid is flat. Uh, and this was, this was kind of uh, in between. He serves, serves the, the story well enough. I don't think the fault for this movie failing is on his shoulders necessarily. Um, but I'm just not sure whose shoulders it's on. <laughs> <laughs> bit of a team effort here i guess but yeah i think so you're right yep it's just one of those times where the team came together and just the team played a mediocre game i guess you can do it that way (laughs) yeah the the stars didn't align with this one and i just feel like they should have so good enough on uh, vantage point yes sir middle of the road 
We've been fighting a long time. We are outnumbered by machines. Humans have a strength that cannot be measured. This is John Connor. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. I thought I knew our enemy. Something has changed. Skynet is taking human prisoners, replicating human tissue. Let's see what we've got here. And in this future, I don't know that we can win this war. This thing is something we've never seen before. My name is Marcus Wright. You think you're human? I am human. reviewed uh, the terminator the original so this will be the second time we talked about a terminator movie on on this podcast terminator salvation when when i had this put the show together this was one i was kind of pushing to the back i wasn't all that excited to revisit <laughs> and it's definitely to me it's not the worst in this franchise but it's something where i, I just am not I, I don't know why I, I'm usually excited to watch a Terminator movie, but not this one. This one feels like homework to me because I, I think some things work, some things don't. I'm not a McG fan. I don't know if you're a McG fan. I, I think McG's better at music videos, perhaps. Uh, I just, I haven't found the, I, and it was, it was kind of a, maybe it was a popular at the studio choice, but not to me the right choice for the Terminator franchise following Terminator uh, 3. And then they were deciding to kind of do this prequel idea and set the, set the whole thing in, in the future. It was rather kind of a dystopian type of idea. And I think from what I read, McGee was very respectful of uh, James Cameron and Terminator and, and Terminator 2 and went to visit him. And, and in fact, some of his, you know, James Cameron's favorite actors uh, to work with. And up Sam Worthington was a recommendation from uh, from from James Cameron. Um, but yeah, McGee's kind of a, it's flash without substance, I guess. Like things look 
look good, but kind of inside, I'm not sure I'm, I'm always on board with. And r- really, I mean, there's famous stuff about Christian Bale we'll maybe get into with this 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 film. But really, Sam Worthington is is the central character, is the character we're, we're, we're following, Marcus Wright, who is this prisoner who they do this experiment with and then is is put into this world. And I, I just have, have yet to, not that he's actively bad, but I, I have yet to get on board with the Sam Worthington performance. If you can direct me to one that I, you think that I would enjoy, I'd be happy to. I mean, he's so important to the Avatar franchise now, but he just, he, he kind of comes across to me as, as flat. You know, he's and I, it's Australian. He's often playing these Americans and kind of these machismo types of roles but i've seen him in kind of more sensitive dramas as well and just doesn't doesn't always work but it's not again not like i'm saying like he's he's not trying or that he's oh he's just like the worst actor i just i I think there could have been more exciting choices and i think this movie had a, a a decent enough budget because of some of the other actors that we have christian bale but especially in this movie anton yelchin uh may rest in peace acted circles around sam worthington and were much more interesting and then helena bonham carter is in this movie <laughs> I totally forgot she was in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I always forget. I've, I've seen it three times, and I and then early on she's in that, and then she's in a bit later on. I guess it was five days of filming. There's supposed to be a lot more with her character. I think there was some sort of a family tragedy that happened. She had to leave the project, and maybe that impeded things. She's great. Like she's always great, but we don't get to see a lot of her. And I would have, I would have enjoyed having having her in the movie uh, a bit more. But you, you got some pretty good people. I'm not sure that everything works. Michael Ironside is just such an action movie face. I, I'm not. And voice. Sure I'm buying him as as this character as much. Um, and I guess he was shooting with this horrible injury the whole time. And so every scene he's standing because he couldn't sit down like, at the, that point. But. Um, I, I, he still he still brings it. He brings a certain energy to it. I just mm-hmm. don't I don't know that that was a you know the the best role for him either. So it's it's not as I think my thumb is like a twitching up on this one. But I question myself why I kind of am with, have my thumb up, and I think it's primarily because of some of some of the performances and the look of it. But this is probably th- there are even some of those later and arguably less effective Terminator movies. There's some of them that I'm more excited to revisit than Terminator Salvation. So the rewatchability for me, I, I can't say is high, but I, I like it enough. So that, that's a review. And then of course, the, the most famous part of this movie, I think is, has nothing to do, well, it has to do with the shooting of the movie, was the unfortunate leaked audio of Christian Bale ripping apart the director of photography who got in his sight line when he was having a pretty method day, I guess, and mm-hmm. made Bale look like a, you know, one of the biggest jerks in Hollywood as a result. <laughs> yeah. But that's, you know, I, and so then I, when I watched this, I was kind of looking for some tension there and you don't really see it. I mean, it's not, not in there. It's not in the story. It doesn't uh, detract. It might've even helped the movie get a few more people to, to see it because it became a bit of a story for a while there. So not an enthusiastic, but enough of a thumbs up on uh, Terminator salvation. Uh, what are your, your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, again, this was a movie I was incredibly looking forward to mainly. And I think because of Terminator one and two, because my favorite parts of, of Terminator, the first two are the future, war scenes where you know you have you know kyle kyle reese and his band 
you know, scurrying through the war-torn area with, you know, Terminators walking by crushing skulls and you see all the like futuristic vehicles versus them on a an old truck with just a, a, a gun mounted to it and things like that. But then this movie comes and we never get that future. It, it doesn't look at all like it. It doesn't, they don't act like it. Um, You know, there's this, you know, so there's a part of me that likes the, the post apocalyptic futuristic world of it. Um, I'm with you on Sam Worthington in this movie. I actually do think in Avatar, he's really good because um he's playing this kind of Marine who's lost the use of his legs. So there's a lot of stuff there. And I don't know if you've seen the sequel yet, but in yeah. part two, I thought he did a great job as like, and as a father myself, I was like, oh, this is the, this is the ultimate dad movie. <laughs> um, how you kind of feel when your kids start getting older and moving away. And that's kind of happening to me and my wife. So we're going through a lot of that stuff too. Um, but uh, he did a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger called Sabotage, which was that, you know, Arnold's kind of return to, yeah. And, and Sam Worthington, he plays a smaller part in it. And he's like one of the like supporting characters who's got like this mohawk and like a, a braided beard and whatnot. And he's really good in that because he's playing this kind of, he's he's not like the central character. Again, not that he can't be the lead, but I think he, he shines better when the camera isn't just focused purely on him. Like in this movie, you're right. Like I totally forgot. You always think Christian Bale is the star of every movie he's in. But <laughs> when you go back and rewatch this, you're like, Oh my God, we spend like maybe 30 minutes of the movie with Christian Bale and the other hour and some odd minutes is all with Sam Worthington's character. Yeah. Um, and again, you get an actor like uh, Anton uh, Yelchin and as you mentioned, RIP, um, just he, you know, it's like, oh man, this kid was going to go on to do so much more because he's super talented and he's he's giving it his all in this movie that I guarantee some of the people who were in it were just like, <sighs> like you said, Mick G it looks good, but there's like a soulness to it, a soullessness to it, where it's like, it's lacking that kind of, if you were to peel apart those layers, there's nothing under it. Whereas with Cameron and, you know, stuff like that, you, you peel it apart and there's depth and there's layer there. Unfortunately, McGee's all surface level. It looks cool. I'm filming it and that's it. And this one does look cool at times. And I think some of the, a lot of the actual CGI stands up of the like robots and terminators to me like when you see that stuff i'm like okay that looks cool but then you get to the face replacement or the face replacement of arnold like that. yeah i was about to mention that when you said the effects are good yeah that, that whole uncanny that, valley thing definitely shows up yeah, yeah yeah um but again it's one of those things where i was like i think the reason that i was so excited for it again was the glimpses of the the future war in the earlier terminator movies and there's a reason why those movies just gave us glimpses of it because a whole movie in that dystopian future may not work <laughs> as well as we'd like it to I, I, unfortunately i think people all terminator fans were excited about that i mean we mm -hmm. can explore this thing that we've only seen glimpses of or flashbacks or with the you know, that um voiceover narration that uh, that cameron loves um mm -hmm. In the first two, yeah, I, I I haven't seen. Oddly enough, it's on my shelf, but I haven't. I've I've never watched Sabotage, so thank you. Oh, okay, that and I'll check that out and give it a day in court. So it's not. I, I wanted to to address that. And here's what I'll I'll say. I think I like Sam Worthington in in Way of Water more than the first Avatar, but we don't really see him. <laughs> you're okay. You're right. You're, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. You know. <laughs> yes, um, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that freed him up a little bit more. It seemed like there was a bit more energy, and they did more interesting things, perhaps more interesting things with his character in, sure. uh, in Way of Water. I, I agree with you on on that. I'm not giving up on the guy. Like I keep. I think part of my criticism is I I feel like he has he has the potential to be great, um, mm -hmm. and I just 
I, I haven't quite seen it yet, but I am looking forward to, to watching uh, Sabotage uh, someday soon there. So that, thank you. That's exactly what I was looking for is a different, a different take on him. And maybe, uh, maybe that, that, that would work well. I often wonder too, if he was able to speak in his own voice for more movies, if that would help, if he has to feel like he has, you know, he's trying really hard to be a tough American with a tough accent like this and it's sounding and, and then he has to make it gravelly, like, you know, like uh, an action movie star or something. He's trying to do these, these things physically and vocally uh, to really sell that he's actually American and it's and maybe that's impeding him a little bit in some of these roles. So I'm just going to warn you from now on when I see an actor trying really hard to do an American accent, I'm just going to picture you doing that because right <laughs> that was actually really good because you can tell, yeah, their their mouths over enunciate words when they're trying to and it's just because yeah, it's not their normal speaking pattern. So, um, yeah, I don't know why sometimes we just like, oh, well, well they have to be American. Like, no, just make them an expat or something. We 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 don't care. I would prefer it in their own in their own accent because it sounds better always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's very few who can do it. There are some, but there's, there's very few. There's like the Gary Oldmans of the world and people, like, but mm -hmm. you can play anything. You can play me. Right. I can play myself. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Anyway, I I do think the the look works. I I, I think the screenplay is good. Unlike mm -hmm. my, um, which I'll share some other day, my least favorite Terminator movie, uh, where I think the the screenplay and everything is a giant mess. I don't think this is. I think there were some production problems and there were some things that were maybe messy to deal with. But as a film, it's good. But it's just not it's not as exciting as it as it should be. And with most of the cast that they have, and you know, you think of McGee, it, it, it if nothing else, you'd think of his movies as being kind of energetic, and I, this one wasn't, and I'm I'm not sure. And maybe maybe McGee was struggling to try to live up to the legacy of the earlier ones, sure. and wasn't as relaxed or as comfortable making this film as well. So yeah, again, a bit mixed for me. I, I don't know. I don't know if you like it more than I do, or if we're pretty similar. I may like it just a little bit more in the fact that. Um, I, I, I guess because I didn't focus on Sam Worthington's performance as much, but it's also one of those things, like you said, when you get a Terminator movie about John Connor and John Connor is not your focal point, when all of the press and all of the trailers leading up, I'm like, oh, sweet, we're getting a John Connor movie. No, we're getting a uh, Marcus Wright movie, which was, and again, Marcus Wright. That, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Marcus Wright? And then it's a weird thing where he was human at one point and then was like turned into a turn. I, I don't know. It's it's a very, I, I like that they took swings, of course. I'm, I'm never going to fault a movie for taking a giant swing. But you promised me a future war and John Connor and I don't get that. It it, it falls short of what it could have been. And, and this is one of those that could have been up there with the first two Terminators for sure. But now, like you said, even some of the newer ones, I go, I would choose to go back and watch those again quicker than this one um i still think it's better than terminator 3 myself that's probably my least favorite of all of the terminators but. Oh, oh really okay it's yeah that one's not not my least favorite I, I liked it enough i i mean i'm not singing its praises but uh no there's really there's some parts in it and it's still got arnold so that's like a plus but yeah it's a, a another way to, it's one of those i think i can't think of a, ter a a franchise that has more diminished returns i mean i think die hard even edges out Terminator, because Terminator goes like one, two, and then it's like, okay, three, and then, okay, Salvation is, te is technically four, but it's like set in the future, and then 
the reboots and stuff like that where i was like honestly i think the uh the the sarah connor chronicles that was on tv is a much better version of that and that's like it's like just do that <laughs> yeah, i've heard that i mean sometimes that's what you do you move it to television and there's a lot more you can do with television now than you used to be able to that's very true uh they um linda hamilton and she didn't have to but uh you know some of her uh her voice that's actually mm-hmm. her her voice in there and that that recording which was supposed to be used i think was it terminator 2 that was used or was it way back to the first terminator it was something that was cut out of one of them and and then it was kind of inserted in this context so that was that was nice because obviously she i'm sure things are are working a little bit better but i i'm not sure she was she still was kind of bitter about the james cameron uh Susie amos titanic drama or whatever but uh, right. <laughs> but she Lended her voice there to it, and I I don't think it's always a great idea, and it, it happens in each of them to a greater or lesser degree. When we have some lines that remind us of the earlier films, like "Come back with me if you want to live," "I'll be back" is is in there. Um, it, it reminds us of oh yeah, that's right. There's those better Terminator movies that we watched before than better than the one that we're watching. But but I, I think it they they kind of amp that up even more in the in the next two entries. So I, I'm glad our thumbs are up there it's just I'm, I'm i'm hesitating a bit because i just don't think it's a fun ride i, I feel like the other ones are fun whether they're mm-hmm. good or bad they they're they're a little bit more fun and uh, this one really works on and i think one of one of mcg's inspirations with the Cormac mccarthy's the rope which is also not a it's profound but it's not a fun ride uh you no, know no it's a very depressing ride yeah <laughs> so uh so that that kind of makes sense there but i feel like this has the elements where it could be great and we're settling for pretty good. Yeah, so I think you're right. There's a part of my brain that is giving it a thumbs up, but then there's also a part that's giving it a thumbs down. So it's kind of another one of those, like you said, kind of rotating maybe on the day or depending on what I'm in the mood to watch or what performance I'm focusing on. Like if I'm you know, focusing on uh, Yelchin, thumbs up because that yeah. kid's great. Um, and, and even the, the little girl that's partnered with him, like she, you know, sometimes you get, you know, she, she plays that part. She does the part that she's supposed to do well. And I think the makeup effects look great. There's times where Sam Worthington, you see like through him and stuff. And I was like, okay, they put a lot of effort into that. So, you know, the makeup effects look cool. And I do appreciate that we got to see like the origin of the Arnold, you know, looking Terminator type thing. But, um, but also again, there's ways of doing that at that time. And you didn't have to like, maybe instead of his face, they have, you you see it and it's like partially done. So you don't have to do the full CGI face at that time, which still, we haven't mastered it yet. And I pray that they never do. uh, Cause then we just, (laughs) um, but uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm like, oh, there's so many elements that I should love about this. And I just kind of like it. And it's not like, you know, and for me, like is like, I can recommend a like to somebody, but it's one of those where I'll go, okay, I like it. There's a good chance you may not like it. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah that's kind of where I fall on Terminator Salvation. There's there's a, a, a lot to like, but there's equally a lot that just doesn't work as well. And I feel if you're if you're a Terminator fan, and you should check out all the Terminators. I mean, that's just agreed. It's, yep, that's how how it goes. We we know that in, unless a miracle happens. You know, after Terminator 2, it's diminishing returns. But I still believe in this enough, and I will happily watch any one of the uh, future entries in, in, in this franchise, whatever they decide to do. But I, based on how things went with Dark Fate, I, I don't I don't know if we're going to be getting another one anytime soon. Right, and it, it 
unfortunately after Terminator 2, they all follow the the formula of, like we said, diminishing returns, but also there's like a moment that stands out to you and you're just like, yeah, like, you know, Arnold with the coffin and the giant, you know, minigun and three, like, yeah, okay, that's awesome. And that gets points. <laughs> but then it's, uh, and every kind of movie after that has one of those where you're like, you had that. Why didn't you give us more of that? <laughs> yes. I feel like it's in there, but I, I don't, mm -hmm. I, and I know James Cameron's not going to return to it because I think his life's work is Avatar now. Uh, yeah. Avatar and then creating new ways of filming underwater or filming up in outer space or who knows what the guy's going to do next. <laughs> On the coast of Southern California, you can only surf, party, and make love for so long before it's time to go to work. Rock and roll. 27 banks in three years. Everybody's Anything to catch the perfect wave. I'm not a crook. Patrick Swayze. Fear causes hesitation. And hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. Keanu Reeves. You think I joined the FBI to learn to surf? Point break. Adios, amigo! So one of my brother's favorite movies growing up, uh, the younger brother, is Point Break. He he loved this movie. I don't think I watched it when it first came out. I, I remember watching it and it was on TV or something and I could watch it in parts. But considering like what a classic action movie this is, I haven't watched it nearly as many times as other people have. I know people have probably watched this 20, 20 50 times and, and love it. And at, at the time, I didn't know who Catherine Bigelow was. And, you know, this is before she became kind of a bit of an Oscar, Oscar bait type of a director. And I certainly, you know, hadn't watched Near Dark, which I think is one of her early masterpieces. And I, I remember catching Blue Steel on TV and just being blown away by it. She knows what she's doing uh, big time. And this is, this is one of her classic movies. And it, 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 it is interesting that this, this could be viewed as a very male-centered film but she brings some different touches to it that I don't think if James Cameron, like, I don't think he would have ever touched this material, but for another action director of, of the time, like a Michael Mann or somebody, somebody like that had, had, had made this, it would have been quite a different film. So Keanu Reeves, uh, former football star gets injured. He joins the FBI and he goes uh, deep undercover. Uh, and he's trying to catch this gang of surfers because they believe that these surfers are, uh, are bank robbers and Keanu Reeves encounters uh, the leader of this group played uh, beautifully by the, another late great Patrick Swayze, um, mm -hmm. one of his signature roles. And he was he was so hot at, th at this time. Like I mean, he was he had Dirty Dancing. This was the the year before it was Ghost. I know my my aunt still to this day just is in love with him. I, you know, I will watch anything he's in. This is an action movie where I think you're you're watching it now and you're like, okay, it's hitting all of the familiar beats of an action film. Like you can probably predict what's gonna happen to Keanu Reeves' partner. You know, the, the, there's all these pieces. There's there's the kind of the side romance, but it, it works. It works really well. Now I'm, I'm not up there where this is one of my favorite movies. So I'm kind of 
my, my thumb is up. Don't get me wrong here, but I don't worship at the, uh, at the altar of point break as much as some, some people do, but I really admire this film and the action sequences are great. I, I, I love what's done at the end. That skydiving scene is, is terrific. I mean, and this is another one that I wish I had seen in the theater. I, I, or if there was ever a retro screen of it or something like that, I would, I would, I would love to be able to see it in the theater because I think I would appreciate it uh, even more. But yeah, it is good. Um, acting wise, there's some of the supporting characters I actually like maybe a, a bit more. I, I love Patrick Swayze in this role. I wrestle with Keanu and this was his first action movie and people didn't think that he could do action and now look at him. I mean, so I, he's, he's better in action movies and this, so this was a good role for him. Personally, I think Patrick Swayze eats his lunch when they're in scenes together, but you know, I, it's not a, a bad Keanu Reeves performance. There are some bad ones out there. This is not a bad one at all, but I, I really liked, I, this is another actor I, I wish i knew where where she was Lori petty i loved her she was tank girl she was a you know had this great role in the league of mm -hmm. league of their own about a year after after point break came out uh, i i liked her role i i liked some people when they criticize action movies they think well you can take the romance subplot out and that it's something in there or it's in there uh, in a very general way hollywood studios saying oh this will get uh fe more females out to see the movie if there's a, a romance in the side this one actually serves a purpose and is executed beautifully and i felt the chemistry between keanu reeves and uh, and laurie petty from the beginning but I, I feel like she really sells that well like john c mcginley uh he's just a welcome presence i mean he's screaming and shouting his way through this performance but uh, it's a good time. It's it's the right use of, of him. And I, I like it. A problematic actor at times, but Tom Sizemore, I think he he, he was also uh, also very good. So chase scenes are, are great. Uh, the bank robbery centerpiece is, is brilliant. One of the great bank robbery scenes up there with movies like Heat. I think there's some other parts where it, it's, it's, it's fine. I mentioned some things that feel like action cliches, and I don't know. Maybe the thing is that this... <laughs> this helped create them. I was part of that wave of movies in the late 80s and early 90s that helped create them. And why now they're so familiar that we're criticizing the pioneer for these. But like, there, I, I don't buy that. There's that scene where Gary Busey, uh, he punches John C. McGinley in, in the bank, like right in front of everybody. I, again, I don't, as much as he deserves that, I don't, I don't, this is like an audience cheer moment that would never happen. And maybe I'm putting too much reality into this. I don't know. Maybe my, my problem with some of these. But all, all that to say, like, this is a classic for a reason. And I, 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 I get it. I say, I think it's a almost great movie. I think most of the world would say it's a great movie. So I'm guessing you're on the, the uh, a fan of this one. Yes, I'm on the fan. I'm on the great side as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think this hit me at the right time because uh, I too, like you, would love to go back and see a retro screening in a theater. I think this movie would play gangbusters in a theater nowadays um, with with the right crowd and the right group. Um, it's Patrick Swayze at his, you know, Swayze-est, you know, because he's this kind of Zen master. And, you know, it's like, and I think what one of the things I've never really truly thought about and i like what you brought up was what catherine bigelow brought to it because you're right it, it's not your typical macho action movie um the characters like the characters bromance is able to be explored in a way that's different than just your typical hey you're cool 
I'm cool. We bust heads and let's become friends type thing. There's like, there's a, there's a deeper meaning behind it. Like Swayze sees the lengths that, um, that Reeves character is willing to go through when he's uh, trying to learn how to surf. And he sees when the, the guys, you know, confront him and he doesn't, he doesn't back down. And then when they find out he's Johnny Utah, this former college, you know, uh, quarterback who got injured and there's a lot of parallels i think i think swayze sees a lot of him and then even lori uh lori petty says it she goes yeah Bodie sees that in you type of thing and yeah there's not really a lot of wasted characters in the movie you're right like lori petty could have been just a typical throwaway side romance or whatnot but no she's integral to the to the plot she adds a lot of um like stuff for keanu to kind of bite into as as opposed to just being the the kind of dashing handsome lead in this movie and um you know while the action scenes are great a lot of the scenes i like are some of the the quieter ones like the the talks that he has with either with her like when they're out after he's surfed for the first time and it's late at night and they all leave him out there and he's just it, there's an, an earnest about keanu's performance in that where he's just like i just want to stay here for a minute this is this is this is just great and then where he gets to drop all the undercoverness and just kind of be in that moment and she's there with him and um and the fact that he's you know he he, he he's not perfect like he's he's late to his own raid because he stayed out that's right hanging out with them all night <laughs> and, as as you would if you're you know it's Oh, a her. young, handsome twenty-something, and you're hanging out with other gorgeous people. Yeah, you're gonna hang out all night. Yeah. Who, who, who's the undercover uh, law enforcement official? Oh, the person who left the party early. You know, and back. <laughs> I mean, no, exactly. Yeah. But he yeah. is also enjoying it. And to me, this is this isn't one of those like like Donnie Brasco where he gets in so deep that he can't right. be pulled back. Like he mm-hmm. he's well aware and he is in control that of what his job is, but he does see that like. These are likable people, and he sees this. This as you know, a good life. It's just unfortunate that these are uh, that these are bank robbers, you know, exactly, uh, and that crimes connected uh, so much to uh, to their world with this with this other part. Um, I lo- I love like Johnny Utah. That's one of the great character names in action movies. It. You know, with with the many memorable characters. I mean, you have to hand it to Keanu Reeves. He, he's created some memorable characters, and now. Yep. Yeah, he's earned his John Wick stardom here, but uh, you know he he will go down in cinematic history, and this is one of one of the many entries that will uh, will solidify him there. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe in some ways this was you could argue that these are more elaborate character roles for both of these actors, but I think Keanu Reeves had to stretch himself a little bit more for this role. Patrick Swayze kind of said that he he is some version of this guy, like he. Mm-hmm. He loves skydiving. Apparently, he wasn't allowed to skydive except for except for the the famous scene, "Adios Amigos," when he when he jumps out like that. Does the like flips a couple times? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's actually him doing it. And he, for insurance reasons, they said he couldn't go skydiving as much as he would have liked, but he still did. He still went and took a bunch of people. <laughs> got Gary Busey skydiving or something like that. So, but also this this kind of Zen master, like this was a, you know this was Patrick Swayze who he was. So while I really love his performance, maybe it wasn't as much of a stretch for him as it was for for Keanu. So, and perhaps it's unfair when like in between the two, I I kind of lean a little bit more to Swayze's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I love when there's a moment where Swayze, you, like, you like this guy, you want to hang around with this guy, but then he, he turns into the criminal and he's there and, and, and we see those scenes particularly at the end and that switch in the character, like he's still the same guy, but he is also, 
very serious about this and what he does and and is potentially dangerous you know and there's there's some some, some uh, moments there where we don't know if uh if johnny's going to make it i mean we probably do but uh but you know there's a little bit of suspense around that mm-hmm. and how much have they figured out about this guy throughout and those scenes work well and a lot of it is because swayze can play both sides of that card. and he was he was pretty much a hero for most of the movies he was in and his filmography and so this is a chance for him to play you know maybe not a full-on bad guy but you know a shadier character than he was allowed to play in in say ghost or uh dirty dancing or roadhouse or movies like that so Mm -hmm. yeah and it's one of those that goes back to you know not to harp on 222 but again this is a this is a group of of quote-unquote bad guys that are likable they have personality there's more dimension to their character than just being a criminal and uh there's kind of a there's an honor and a kind of brotherhood amongst them that i think adds to the whole utah and Bodie interaction because you know even after they know that he's a, a cop like he still brings him up into the plane with him and when he jumps out of the plane there's that you know even though th- th- there's still those moments like yeah you, he could have just outright killed you know keanu's character but he didn't because there's they're they're bonded in some way in this higher plane that Bodie, you know, that Patrick Swayze's character sees. So it, it's not just your typical, you know, mindless action flick per se. Um, oh. And uh, we, we didn't talk about him in, in a whole lot of detail, but Gary Busey does bring a lot to the kind of grizzled veteran. Like, I mean, when we first meet him, he's, he's blind, uh, blind, blindfolded jumping in after bricks and he's complaining like why do I have to do this in my 30 years on the forest I've never had to jump into a pool and find bricks and and, uh but I think Keanu gets has a I think you're right he has a tougher job and he has to stretch himself more because he has to play this kind of by the books guy but also somebody who can let like go past those books and you know kind of expand a little bit and be a little more of a wild man when yeah. before that I was like, I was like, you're telling me Ted <laughs> Preston is, you know, Ted is going to be an action hero. And, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that Keanu takes chances and takes these crazy movies and doesn't follow the norm of things. Cause he makes John wick. Then he, you know, he com- he comes back with John wick. Then he makes what that one knock at the door movie or something that where he's like, you know, and he just, and then he'll, he'll be in we- just random things like that one, uh, uh, Netflix movie where he plays the like romantic lead or not lead, but he plays the kind of air, you know, romantic guy that our lead hates, but he still likes him because he's Keanu. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. yeah. So he, I think he's a very intelligent guy. I, I never uh-huh. think he's a super nice guy as well. Um, yeah. But like he, he picks great projects and maybe sometimes if there's somebody who doesn't know how to direct him or play to his strengths, maybe that's when he comes across as quite flat. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's a long way. Like, is it, expressiveness like i don't i don't get any of the sense uh, like when he tried to do shakespeare in the 90s and how that <laughs> fell like a lead balloon um yep. i don't get those notes anymore when i'm watching a, a current keanu reeves performance mm-hmm. uh, and, and so he 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 has come a long way i i think but uh but all along he was quite smart but that yeah that bill and ted thing was a, a bit of a I, i'm glad he's positive and he went to do the third movie but that was a little bit of a curse for him and mm-hmm. people just saw and then I, I think what they they were leaning towards oh, oh yeah of course he's playing like this beach surfer type of uh a role here like you know the california type of thing because that's not much of a stretch but the fbi agent at that time was mm-hmm. now i think we would easily see him playing that type of a role and that 
seems like no-brainer casting. Like the fact that this was a, a chance, and it was Catherine Bigelow who really pushed for him to get the role. Um, she was she. I, I think the studio wanted Johnny Depp, to, who was a bit more prominent, to to be in, in that role. I, I don't know what that would have been. Hmm, yeah, I could see Johnny Depp more in Patrick Swayze's role than I could see. Right. <laughs> you know, old, uh, former football star, straight-laced FBI. But I guess Donnie Brasco. I mentioned Donnie Brasco when he yeah. he showed up for that one. So. But but then again, that was a couple years later too. So a lot of actors, you know, have a chance to grow. And I don't know if '91 Johnny Depp would have been. But and I and we we wouldn't have gotten speed without Point Break because you're right, Keanu would not have been able to get his feet wet with the action, but also a more somewhat a more serious role. And you're right, he does surround himself with projects that have other really good actors in it too. Like he's and he's not afraid to just let another actor like steal the scene like you know Busey steals a lot of the scenes he's in because Gary because Gary the Busey is so over the top mm -hmm. in his role uh I mean come on when he's you know when he asked him for sandwiches and he's like you know you tell give me two give me two I don't know how many times I've told my wife that or said it to my like friends when I'm like when they're going up to get me something I'm like that's two two <laughs> and some of them get it and those that those that that don't it's okay <laughs> but uh I I, I like I and I do like Gary Busey. Uh, I, I think his character, that's one of the ones, if you're watching it now, you're like, oh, his, his character's a bit of a, a cliche. Yeah. Um, as well as well acted cliche. And John, and and McGinley as well is a cliche. I, I think McGinley is a good actor, could be accused of, you know, that's a two-dimensional role. I think they give Gary Busey a little bit more than two dimensions to work with, but he's, he's the star's partner. You know, he's not... He's, and he's and the grizzled veteran and you know what's going to happen here type of thing but i'm happy to see him in in the movie and he was i think he was in pretty good health at that particular time but uh, mm -hmm. um when, when he is in good health and when he is focused then, then then he's great but he's he's had a bit of an up and down life and career uh, um unfortunately but um also just uh and it was pointed out to me when when point break was talked about in the action april episode by one of my guests that yeah, that raid scene, which is brilliantly directed. I, I, mm -hmm. love, I love everything. Maybe the what happens in it is predictable, but one of the red hot chili peppers is is in there in the Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> that, that was uh, that was cool, and I don't I, I don't know how that happened. I'm, I'm sure there's some some commentary where they uh, explain maybe just wanted to be in a movie or knew Catherine Bigelow or, or whatever. Sure. But uh, yeah, that's just kind of this interesting Easter egg uh, for for those who are fans of the band and. Yeah. movie so he also has a great line on the on the beach when they all fight him when he's like when keanu says something he's like that would be a waste of time and, just, <laughs> and then he proceeds to just you know yeah. you know, smash him in the face with his surfboard <laughs> and again that's bigelow's touch like she, she gives maybe even like third third tier characters a moment uh yeah. you know and that that's what a really great director does Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm so I'm, even this conversation makes me want to watch it again, and I want to be kind of like, yeah, yeah, I now I get it. Now I'm now it's in my top five action movies of all time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting there, and I don't know why it's taken me a while to get there, but uh, oh, it's it's it's, it's definitely not top five, but it's top fifteen for sure for yeah. me. If I, you know, um, but and uh, and again too, there's certain things about when characters get brought in, like you mentioned. I mean, Sizemore. Has a suit. You know, I mean, he's blinking. You'll miss him, but he stands yeah, out. Very, 
because he gets to be like the guy that puts them in their place for like you know and like one of the the way he says like just his like i've been undercover for this like he can feel how angry and like pissed off he is at this whole situation and another the tropes and i don't know if this had a hand in starting it but it's like you have your two your main guy and his partner and then there's the other cops and they just give each other crap the whole movie like he's got his you know those two other guys when he shows up he goes you're late to your own raid yeah like they don't they give him crap but then ultimately they come together which bad boys did the same exact thing remember they had the two other cops that gave our main cops crap but when they needed them they were there so and that's what happens when you get a cast of these great kind of character actors who just show up for a couple days and say, you know, and just deliver. You get these kind of these fun side characters that kind of add to the to the to the movie as a whole. And sometimes when I'm watching a, uh, a cop movie, that trope doesn't work. So mm-hmm. it's like these guys who have no like all they do is they're sitting there criticizing the main characters and making their life more difficult. And it's just like I I, I could do without this. Let's just like get on to the main action. But it. It has a purpose. It's, it's well handled here. Yet the fact is the guy has a job to do. And part of his job was to stay up all night partying. I mean, maybe he didn't need to, you know, fall in love with the uh, <laughs> there. But uh, right. that, that happened. And so, yeah. Also, before somebody lambasts me on, you know, for saying it, I do have to say that this movie didn't start that. Beverly Hills Cop did a great job of that because yes. they have the two, you know, we're not we're not going to follow for the banana and the tailpipe. So I would be remiss if I didn't say that this movie also carried on a lovely tradition of that kind of, the you know, two other partners giving our main partners crap the whole movie. <laughs> and, and another movie where they gave those guys a bit more to do and a bit more of a character. Mm-hmm. They're significant to the story. They're yeah. just a bunch of guys in the station house who are just causing problems and reluctantly putting their jackets on and going along on uh, yeah. the raid. But yeah, so I, I again, I, I really, really enjoy this. Uh, I have heard some readings of this, that the true love story is really between Keanu Reeves and Patrick mm-hmm. Swayze. And that was part of the, the Bigelow touch in the film. And uh, there's, there's there's different readings of this film for sure. But I, I think no matter how you, what your take is on, on it, uh, it's a good time. I think it's one I can generally recommend to most people. I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't like action movies, you're probably not going to like any of the movies we talk about. This honestly, this might be one that this might be one of those rare exceptions too, because there's a lot more to it than just the action that can yeah. grip people. Um, one of the things I really like this, I, I like the ending because it shows this, you know, this, you know, when you first start, he's in the rain, he's shooting at the 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 range, and they're like, "Great job, Utah!" And we get the thumbs up. GIF, which I've used more times than I'd care to even comment. Um, but then at the end, he's kind of like he he throws his badge into the ocean because he's like, oh yeah, there's we're not always on the right side of things, and there's more to life than just right and you know. So it, it there is a deeper spiritual meaning to the movie as well, and I like that ending when he's like, we'll just we'll just wait wait for him here. It's like he's not coming back. <laughs> he's just just walks off as a very somber Ted going to military school. <laughs> so I like that. Have you, have you, have you, have you heard that? Like Bill and Ted, you know, like this is, this is Ted after his first few years of uh, military school. Then he goes on to be in speed and then he ends his career as John Wick. Cause it's like Ted full circle. So I've heard people say that before you can follow Ted's whole <laughs> military career that way. That's Which makes me kind of laugh. That, that, yeah, that, that is kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yes, in, in a way, you know, Keanu's not somebody who disappears. We aren't like, oh, oh, that was Keanu Reeves. No, we, we could, we always see that it's him. But just yep. kind of putting, just, 
different beats yep. of his career altogether. That's uh, that's great. Yeah, and there's, I mean, I can't think of anybody that has had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows too. Like, there's people that you know. I remember for a while there, after you know, they after the Matrix, it was kind of like, all right, Keanu's in a movie, great. Who, who cares? Then John Wick comes back, so he's had a very steady career of doing what he wants to do. But I'm glad he's hit at certain times when he was supposed to. Like, if he doesn't make point uh, point break, speed doesn't happen. That doesn't carry over to then be in the matrix and then so on and so forth. So Every, everything would have, would have, would have changed. There would have been different people and yeah, who knows? There's no guarantee that those, those movies would have been as, as successful without him. Like all these things came together. And I, the thing I do, I, I really like Keanu Reeves when he's in kind of these nastier supporting roles in smaller movies. I don't know yeah. if you're a fan of uh, Sam Raimi's uh, the gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he, like, he's, that's kind of an underrated performance and, I'm a fan. People are of two minds about Neon Demon, Demon, but he plays just a horrible, horrible person in that role, and mm-hmm. I just kind of like to see that he was doing that in between these big highlights of yeah. his career. So, um, and he's also directed. I mean, he directed one of the like a really good martial arts movie, The Man of uh, uh, Tai Chi, a couple of years ago, and he plays the bad guy in that too. And he's just relishing in it you can see him where he's just like i get to be the bad guy for a change and it's fun yeah yeah and i i just i'm a big fan when actors are just do what they you know like chart their own path they don't try to do to pick roles that they're like oh this will make me popular or this will be good a good follow-up to the matrix because i just had a huge hit with that so i should keep doing these hits like no he does the matrix then he plays a former college football player who is cleaning boats and then gets brought back to the for a like scab NFL game for the uh, you know with uh, Gene uh, Gene Hackman as his coach. Like those were similar in the same time frame. Yeah, their placements, which is a great sports movie, but not something you think you'd follow up the Matrix with. No, no. <laughs> no. I, I, he, he kind of maybe it's a bit of he goes with his heart, he goes with the script, maybe he goes with the people who are involved. True, and, yeah. Been working out for him, and he's. Mm-hmm. Back to being one of the 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 A listers and good for him. Yep, and I do think if his if uh, cancer would not have taken him, I do think Patrick Swayze would have that similar kind of because he's he would have always been in the you know people's mindset because you know it's Patrick Swayze. He did he was Roadhouse, but he also was like you said he was Ghost. He was Dirty uh, Dirty Dancing, um, and he was one of those guys too that never like when he's insanely charismatic, so you want to watch him. But he also was picking interesting things to do. And I would have liked to seen kind of a slightly old, like he could have had his own Taken type series or something like that. He, cause he, yeah. he, he, he could have came back to action as a 50, 60 year old guy that, you know, is doing stuff. So um, unfortunately he was just taken too soon. And he, and he worked right till the end of his, and even when he was, yeah. on the, he, there was, I forget the name of the TV show on uh, A&E network. He, he, oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he had two seasons of that. And I think he, he knew of his diagnosis when during the second season and kind of some, somebody like Bill Paxton who was working right up until yeah, that, that was a real sudden one. Uh, I think yeah. they, yep. they kind of knew it was coming with Patrick Swayze, but we always hoped it, you know, we always hoped for a miracle. But. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Point break. I don't think, uh, I don't Highest think recommendations. <laughs> a great movie and yeah, towards the, Towards the top of uh, the group of six we're talking about. So mm-hmm. I'm going to award some points here. Okay. Big wave riding some macho assholes with a death wish. No, it's not. It's the ultimate rush. There's nothing that comes close to it. Not even sex. Maybe that's because you're not doing it right, Roach. 
Just paddling out in the big surf is a total commitment. You can't just call time out and stroll on into the beach if you don't like the way things are going. So what's the biggest? Waimea? Ridden? Yeah. Kaha. Gain a point. Bells Beach, Australia. Whoa, whoa. No way Bells is bigger than Waimea, bro. We'll be next year. Odie believes the 50-year storm is coming next year. 50-year storm? What's that? That's kind of a legend. No, it's real. It's absolutely real. Everything moves in cycles. So twice a century, the ocean lets us know just how small we really are. A winter storm comes out of Antarctica, tearing up the Pacific. And it sends a huge swell north 2,000 miles. And when it hits Bells Beach, it'll turn into the biggest surf this planet has ever seen, and I will be there. So will I. Want the ultimate, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. That's how I wanna go. Hell, I ain't gonna live to see 30. <laughs> Andy, thank you so much for being on my show. And oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I've enjoyed listening to you on other podcasts. And thank you. Yeah, open invitation. Anything you, you'd like to talk about, uh, I would love to have you on again. Right. Gosh, thank you so much. Wow. It was it was it was daunting when you when you wrote like this. We're, we're going to talk about six movies, yeah, so and I'm going to get lot. rid of one. So I like told my uh, wife, I'm like, I have to help somebody curate their you know DVD collection, and I was like, I don't even curate mine. <laughs> but maybe this will actually lead me to start going. Maybe I can get rid of some of these that I don't need anymore. <laughs> or, or not like it, it's a weird thing i started the show but then i have these great ideas for episodes. wait i'm missing a few here so then oh, oh so then i probably added more movies to my collection sure. this and got rid of them so i, I you know what could be fun going making your top six of movies you've gotten rid of and which one do you buy back we yeah. could talk about <laughs> I, I, actually that's brilliant maybe that could be our uh follow-up the second one because you i have thought of that idea i'm trying to figure out how to uh um how to approach that one but sure yeah, maybe, maybe we could be that. fun all yeah, right awesome idea yeah you heard it here first folks yeah. uh, <laughs> so let's, uh, let's go through and I'll, I'll start with you with the points here um okay. so we're off with rambo three how many points did you give it i gave it 15 points okay, and then 222 i gave two points <laughs> i was very harsh <laughs> harder than i probably was when i actually talked about it because for some reason when you write down points it's easier to be like oh that was a two but then i i, I thought about changing them as we we were talking because i was like maybe i was a little too harsh but i was like nope stick with your gut stick with your gut don't change I, it i think in in general a handful of times i, I i've done that not, not necessarily on this show but when i've guested on mm -hmm. different things where they have like a ranking or whatever then uh, sometimes i've after the discussion i've, I've rethought things but uh ninja assassin 11 points and vantage point five points and terminator salvation seven points and finally point break 20 points i added up three times it should be 60. <laughs> yeah, i think you're there yeah okay you know we're, we're we are so close and with points it's you know uh yeah so i i think we i know how this is going to go but uh Okay. Um, I'll go through go through mine as well. So no, Rambo three, I I like it. I'm I'm a fan of it. I, I mean, I we mentioned all the the problems. Um, sure. And if you're if you want your arms crossed, I'm sure you can have them crossed, and and probably Why? you'll win the movie. You won't, but uh, the movie wins for me. I I gave it fourteen, so pretty close. Okay. Uh, to what you had. 
I gave uh, three points. So one more point than you did to uh, 222. So we're uh, simpatico in that so far. Okay. Uh, right. Ninja Assassin, I, this is a, a bit of a difference. I gave it 16 points. This was a real oh. surprise how much fun I had with it. Perfect. Uh, right moment. And I would encourage, this is kind of, to me, the diamond in the rough. This is the one that people, if they haven't heard of it or or seen it, check it out. See see if you can find it. And, uh, and I would agree. I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Way and if I may add, if you watched it once when it came out, it it's now been, you know, 13 years. It might be time to give it a, another evaluation because you might be in a different place. And like you said, it's, it's just, it's super fun. So don't go in expecting a deep philosophical movie. You're not going to get that. You want that? There's different martial arts movies for that. This is just mindless action. Cool action sequence. We talked about that with Point Break, but there's some really amazing mm -hmm. uh, action set pieces in there. And it's, it's worth it's worth movie fans' time to uh, mm -hmm. just check that one out. Vantage point, he gave uh, again very very close to you six points. Okay. And then uh, Terminator Salvation, we were exactly the same, seven points on that one. And then just a little bit because I gave spread out a little bit, and I gave a few more points to Ninja Assassin there, fourteen points for Point Break, but still like that's that's up there. Uh, I I think you you gave it twenty there, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what that means is uh, pretty predictable. I think we could have seen this coming, but the, the top <laughs> was Point Break, and uh, as it should be. Wait, wait. Point Point Break got the most points. Okay, just making sure. Point Break got the most points. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a vocal exercise. Point yeah. The most points. The points. <laughs> uh, second was Rambo Three with twenty nine points, uh, followed by uh, Ninja Assassin with twenty seven. Uh, fourth place was Terminator Salvation, our kind of mixed reaction to it, but uh, it, it felt like a movie that's right in the middle. Mm -hmm. fifth, fifth place, Vantage Point with 11, and yeah, it's tough to pick on the little guy with this one, but it, it is. was not a great movie, and so clearly five points, uh, 222 is uh, the movie that must leave my movie collection. I just uh, get a camera for you here. Mm -hmm. Isn't it funny how like prominent Val Kilmer's on the cover too, yeah. with with a gun, nonetheless. I'm like, I don't even think that that scene's from the movie. <laughs> that picture is. <laughs> you have a gun, or uh, I don't know if there's some scene where he was playing with a gun, which had no real meaning. But... That could be. <laughs> it, might, it might have even been a, a picture from another movie, but. <laughs> oh, it, it it totally is a picture from another movie. <laughs> Val Kilmer is the star of this thing, and if you start it and you're hoping to see lots of Val Kilmer, you're in for a uh, no. What you get is great though, because he's got that weird scene where he's got the the jeweler glasses on, and he hears a police car, and he's like, just pops his head up real quick, and he's like, okay, and then he just goes back to eating his licorice. So I was like, this had to be just he came in and just did whatever he wanted to do. Yeah, what, what does he do? Like, I don't even know if he's reacting to that. Maybe there was some sort of a fly or something that was in, on the satire. Oh. Or, or in his own mind, he's like, this is my. I'm gonna go to this movie, and I'm gonna do. The complete opposite of what everybody else. Like I'm in my own movie, and they don't know what's happening, and we'll just see what happens. I don't know. It's entertaining, and yep, he is. And those, you know, those. It are kind of livens up when he's there, and then as soon as he leaves, it kind of falls to what it was again. So like all the exciting stuff at the hotel is supposed to be exciting, and it really isn't. And right, him in this one location is a lot more fun. So, and yep. Gabriel Byrne is a reason to see it too but anyway so as, as my guest what do i do with this uh dvd oh boy uh oh boy uh, I, you know what i guess 
you could always take it to like a, a Goodwill type store or a secondhand store. So there might be somebody out there who needs it for their Val Kilmer collection. You know, they're trying to collect every role he was in. People do that. Yeah. And even would want, so that might be a way. And that way they're not spending, you know, 10, 12 bucks for it. They buy it for one or two. Yeah. So yeah. No, that's I, what, I, like that's what I would do. And, I, and I've done that before with a few, uh, with a few uh, discs there. And it's, it's, it's not like we, we hate this movie and we no. spend on the guys who made it. It's just, it, again, against, against this group, it was just not, it was not in the right league, I guess. And so, no, yeah. unfortunately it was not, it was not a Rocky going against a Creed. It was a spider going, going against or whoever, whoever uh, Clubber Lang destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. So thanks again, and obviously we we at the end I'd like to to shout out podcasts, and so I'll mention a few here, and if there's any that you want to promote or anything you want to promote at the end too, sure. um, obviously uh, Film Feast, uh, uh, love that show. I've listened to every episode of it, and um, uh, Matt's been on, and he's a great guest there. So I want to want to shout that one out first. Rank and review, um, Schlock and Awe, and you've been on Lindsay's show, and it's. Mm -hmm. Uh, she's been a guest on 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 this show, and she was kind enough to have me on for an episode talking talk about Bergman movies. It was a, yeah, it was a heavy episode there, but uh, it was very heavy for show. Yeah, single white female was. Uh, it was nice to talk about that. That was an an easier one to talk about than Persona, but uh, <laughs> and then uh, Lifetime of Hallmark. And as I mentioned, I was recently a guest on that one, and uh, that one. That, that one is probably 222 would be uh, a high-end film for that because uh, they, uh, they do kind of almost almost a scene-by-scene -scene analysis of a Hallmark or a Lifetime movie. And uh, I told those guys when I went on the show, hey, you're, you're, you're heroes for doing this oh. every week. So <laughs> I, I'm, I feel bad saying this, but he'll never hear it. My dad would be the perfect guest for that because I don't know what's happened in the last five, six years. But every time I go over there to their house for Christmas, I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? He goes my mom's like he has the hallmark channel on 24 7 watching these movies and i'm like dad what what is happening so yeah i my parents like them too especially those hallmark christmas movies and i i've talked to, i think it really is there's so much negativity and so much strife in the world and there That's is true. something kind of sweet about them and maybe mm -hmm. they're you know they're predictable and 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 that kind of thing but they're not doing the world any harm but true. i reviewed a lifetime movie I don't know. I might be more of a Hallmark guy than a Lifetime, <laughs> <laughs> a lifetime movie. I expected. I don't know. I should have expected much, but it was a movie with Sybil Shepherd and Steve Gutenberg, oh, and the Goot. <laughs> yeah, he's he's doing his his best. Sybil Shepherd seemed to be sleepwalking through the uh, How to Murder Your Husband. It's called. So it was, it was, oh well, okay. yeah, interesting. I I don't know what I was expecting, but I was expecting more than. <laughs> Anyway, but please support those, those, again, these are all independent podcasters. We do yep. this for, because we love what we, you know, our, our hobby is film and um, we just love to, to talk about it and have, have great people on. And I just love Andy, you're, you're joining the group of people that I've been able to get uh, connected with and I appreciate uh, you being on here. So. Oh, no, thank you. I know. And you, uh, if I may, I can talk about, I can uh, push a few great podcasts, like you say, Thank independent you. podcast too. Um, the uh, the Action Addicts podcast. He gave me my start. Scott Wiley. He's an awesome host, wonderful, wonderful human. He's also had some some actual like 
actors who've made these movies on that he's been able to talk to. And that might lead to some more for him. And I hope that it does. Cause um, you know, it's just, it's cool that somebody who's loved these movies is talking to the actors that were in them now. So um, that one's great. Um, the action for everyone podcast, which um, is, you know, Mike, uh, Michael Scott, uh, vice Victus and uh, Liam Odin, they, you know, or uh, O'Donnell, excuse me. That's his uh, Twitter handle, but um, they, they are shedding light on independent action movies and things like that. And they're doing it in a positive way that it's for everyone, not just, not just people who grew up watching these things, not just people who like a certain type of action movie. So um, truly for everyone. And then uh, if you kind of like horror and you like kind of, you know, slashers, uh, Chainsaws and Claws are two of my really good friends, Patrick and Rob, the uh, uh, cinema drunkie. They, they're picking some really interesting doubles to talk about. And it's just, it's fun to hear them go back and forth. But uh, I second your schlock and awe. Lindsay is literally the best. Like she's one of the, the coolest people out there and she's a joy to, to talk to much like yourself when you're like, Oh, I've never talked to somebody. I hope, hope, hope I'm not, hope I don't ruin it. I hope I don't say something dumb or, but you guys make people feel comfortable to come on and start talking and then to start doing uh, terrible uh, Anthony Kiedis impressions halfway throughout the podcast. So I thank you for that. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I sometimes I end up doing impressions and then afterwards I'm like, how is this going to sound? Am I going to be cringing when I edit this? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I love being a, becoming friends with all these various pod uh, pod podcasters. Oh, I'm sorry. One more. Uh, Real Early, Larry, uh, Larry Sternshine. It's kind of a interview show where he talks to people about how they grew up liking movies and stuff like that. So it's kind of more of a deep dive into where you found movies and the type of movies you like and things like that. So that one's really, yeah, that one's good. He just came back with his second uh, season for that. Was he on Matt's show? Yep. Okay. Then, uh, yeah. I had forgotten the name of the podcast, but I remember hearing this idea. I thought, oh, that's so cool. It's what really up? cool. Cause it's one of those things where I'm like growing up, I was just like, I had friends that liked movies, but never liked me. I, I'd be going to media play or, you know, Suncoast video and I'd be getting, I'd be looking in the action movies, picking up all these B movies or like, you know, uh, you know, Jackie Chan movies or Bruce Lee movies. And they'd all be like, dude, those are, those are dumb. I was like, no, they're not. And now I've found this community <laughs> 20 years later where I was like, wait, you guys grew up with these two. <laughs> so, um, it's just really cool to hear people's stories of how they came into movies, how they used to watch them and just, you know, stuff like that. So those are some excellent independent podcasts and it's a great community to be a part of because everybody's so welcoming and everybody's just supportive and in a world that can be so negative it's awesome to have such supportive friends so yeah yeah and i amen to that and i mean that goes with the message I, I i tend to send at the end of each episode here so there was a beautiful transition into it i just again to my listeners out there just just continue just be kind to one another and uh we just uh, hope that people are uh, in a good place with their health and everything. And, you know, and, and really, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge movie fan. And so I want people to support the movies in whatever way that you experience them. And again, just, uh, I, I, I keep promoting the idea of going to movie theaters because I'm afraid I'm going to wake up one day and movie theaters aren't going to be there. And that would be, that would be a shame. We talked about certainly with, with Point Break and uh, Ninja Assassin, and I, I think probably any one of these movies would be just great on the big screen. And so, I, you know, 
not having that would be too bad. So please support your your local movie theaters, but uh, enjoy movies in whatever form because it's uh, it's a worthwhile art form. form so. Yeah. I totally agree. And if you don't have the same opinion as somebody else, you don't have to say that they're right or wrong. If, you know, everybody can have different opinions. Yeah, it's all true. subjective. So just enjoy it, have fun. Don't be mean. You're right. It's so much easier to be kind. It takes more time to usually type out something negative than just go. I'm glad that you liked it. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. wasn't my thing, but I'm glad you liked it. And that's exactly that's all you need. And if you listen to this and you see 222, and that's your favorite of the six we talked about. We're so happy for you, and we're so happy that we were able to introduce you to this movie that not a lot of people know about. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.